0: The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Fantasy football week three. You are listening to the Fantasy Football Almanac Show, uh, hosted by yours truly, Sean Ryan, co-hosted by uh, David G. from Uber Fantasy World. As usual, how you doing, buddy?
1: excellent man i'm glad to finally get into uh past one week you know a little bit larger of a sample size here
0: yeah man like so i do is is people that have followed for for a while and i guess for the years of the get paid podcast and all that i do um you know season long projections those are available for free you can you know check out the information below in the uh in the show footer um whether it's the notes whether it's you're watching this on youtube all that stuff but uh yeah it needs sample size i mean the the I, what I do to start the year with the computer stuff is I take as much 2019 data as I can, um, and then I, I have to adjust it for you know new offenses and all that stuff. So a lot of 2019 is still kind of junking up uh, the future projections. And then we got injuries that we're going to have to deal with, which I know we're going to talk about yeah, today. A
1: few of them.
0: Yeah, just a few, not you know some some cosmetic ones, right? Nothing major, but you know that's that's what we've been talking about all year, all all off season is this is going to happen. We were talking about it with Dalvin Cook. We were talking about like the handcuff stuff. Well, now we see it with Saquon Barkley. We saw Mostert. We saw all these injuries. We're going to be talking about those injuries as we get into the week uh, three matchups, specifically for each team, um, like we did last week. So it'll follow last week's format uh, very similarly, but. Yeah, wild week, um, not one that we didn't see coming, but it's really just like where the chips are going to fall, you know, who's going to get injured, when's it going to happen and how are you going to react to it, but Barkley, man, that's a bad one, that is a bad one, um, there's no handcuff there though, although they're talking about Devontae Freeman I saw today in the press, so we'll see what happens, but uh, David, I say we just jump in, I know this is probably going to be an hour and a half episode, so <laughs> so why don't we just dig in, are you cool with that? Yeah, let's get to it. All right, Thursday Night Football, Miami Dolphins versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, a battle of two of the three Florida teams. Uh, Let me hit you, as I always do, with the projections, and then we'll just talk about the matchup. So um, I actually don't love uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick this week, although I can probably honestly say I never love him any week, although he was a top-10 QB this week. Uh, I don't have him as a start. You can find better. Um, you know Jordan Howard, I don't like. I like Miles Gaskin. He is the primary ball handler there. David and I will talk about that in just a bit. Um, wide receivers, you know Devontae Parker. He he played, although he was banged up. He'll probably do better this week. I don't have a great projection on him, but I think you can start him. Gasicki at this point, um, look, he put up a huge week uh, last week. I th- think that he's projected as a really nice matchup this week, so I think you can start him. But there is risk there. We've only seen him really pop that one week. We'll talk about him as well. Now on the, J- on the Jacksonville. Gardner Minshew to me is a slam dunk start, although weird stuff happens on Thursday night football. But I love Gardner Minshew, especially in daily fantasy football this week. Um, Top 10 quarterback in fantasy football, two weeks running, and that's going to be a trend, everybody. Uh, Running back, Robinson is a start for me. I love the way he runs the ball. Um, DJ Chark is a definite start. I actually like Chenault and Keelan Cole this week. Um, Keelan Cole more for Daily Fantasy, but if you're desperate, if you got hit by the injury bug and you can't find a flex, he might be somebody you can scoop up and play, although I think he can do better. Um, and then Tyler Eifert, although he got in the end zone this week, I'm going to sit on him. I don't like the matchup this week. I like him future in the season, just not this week. So David, why don't you take it away with thoughts and impressions?
1: I'm conflicted here because as you mentioned, the longer you play fantasy football, the more you hear the narrative not to play your players on Thursday night Mm. because it's a short week. Teams don't have time to game plan, you know, and it just tends to be messy. It tends to be sloppy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But I'm becoming bullish on multiple, multiple Jaguars. We've talked about Minshew all all offseason. Everybody knows that. James Robinson, through two games, he's he's pacing for 256 carries this year, 1,300 rushing yards and 32 receptions. So the yards per carry is going to come down for Robinson a little bit, but he's got 16 carries in two straight games. So I think the floor for Robinson, I mean, he's essentially like David Montgomery right now. We're talking about 250 carry pace, Mm -hmm. 1,300 yards, 32 receptions. That's about what you want from David Montgomery. So I think Robinson's going to be starting to become a fixture in starting lineups. Let me cut in on a
0: yeah, Robinson, yeah, real quick, ahead. just to just to add to that. And again, people who, who follow me, they know like I watch every game. I did not watch Jacksonville live yesterday. I am gonna catch up the, on that on um on you know NFL Game Pass probably today. But what I've seen from Robinson, and this is why I'm so pissed that there wasn't a um um an off season, because I would have been on him early. There's there's an it factor with running backs um when you see them. This is why I've always kind of been against Ronald Jones. I've never seen it. And what, what means it to me is when the guy takes the ball and he runs into somebody and you got two people on him and he still gets another three yards – I mean, he's explosive. He's powerful. He can do everything in the run game. Jay Gruden loves running backs. And I would have been able to tell you in week one of preseason that he was going to be the starter in this offense. Um, He he is more impressive physically to me than Leonard Fournette ever was. And I like Leonard Fournette, or liked him, I guess, for Jacksonville. I'm a big fan of Robinson. I'm pissed there wasn't a preseason because people that had their drafts back in early August, if you read my almanac, you would have been there. But I didn't get that this year because I didn't see it on film. Um, So I was late to the party on him. And uh, I'm a little bitter about it. But anyway, take it away again.
1: Well, I just because you hit on his athleticism, and this guy is a legit athlete. Don't mm-hmm. sleep on him just because he was undrafted. Right. The, his 40 time was nothing impressive. 4'6'4, four, four, I believe. Not great for running. By. But his vertical, 40 inches. And this guy weighed in at a grizzly 5'10, 220. So to jump 40 inches at that sort of frame, (laughs) that was the second highest vertical at the combine. Guess who was the number one? Well, for running backs, guess who was number one this year?
0: Uh, A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon, Dillon, how about
1: that? Who's who's been lauded for his size, speed, athleticism combo. James Robinson, just as thick as A.J. Dillon. He's a little shorter, not as heavy, but he's just as thick. He's got the same lower body explosiveness and that was highlighted in the vertical. When you talk about the it factor, you could see it on film on that touchdown run this week. You'll notice that he he barreled his way into the end zone.
0: Yeah, I, I can't think I mean there there's a guy that I know he reminds me of people. I'm trying to think of a of like a, a comparison player I that I s that I've seen. Um, because again, you know, you know, know who it is
1: for me? Who? It's early career Chris Carson, where somehow oh, that's a good one. he was late drafted he was making a little bit of noise in the preseason and he just somehow grabbed the week one starting role and never gave it up. I see the same exact same thing with James Robinson.
0: You know, I'm thinking maybe, I, I, I you show showing my age a little bit here, but harkening back to the days of Washington, I, he looks like early Stephen Davis. Now you might not have been born when Stephen Davis was really- I know Stephen yeah, Davis, I was young. But like when he was, um, when he really burst onto the scene, I think it was 99 or 2000 for Washington. I mean, it's just, it's just another level. Like James Robinson's gonna have a nice career. Um, so I like him quite a bit.
1: And one more guy I want to touch on. don't want to spend too much time on this game, but LaVisca Shenault. you mentioned him and Chark. Chark's mm-hmm. an auto start for me. LaVisca yeah. Chennault, we need to give this guy more credit. You look at the receiving pace. He's on pace for 48 receptions, 578 receiving yards. It's nothing spectacular. This guy is their RB2 right yeah. now. He is has seven carries. Their next running back behind Robinson and Chennault is two carries Chris Thompson. You add in his rushing yards to his receiving yards, That 576-yard pace jumps to a 952-yard pace. This guy's a weapon. He's... Got a great floor because he's involved in the rushing game, and I think he's going to like Robinson start to become a fixture in starting lineups going forward.
0: You know what I really liked, um, or what I like um, seeing from Jacksonville, and again, this isn't this isn't anything new for us. We've been talking about the Jacksonville offense for a while because you know, again, uh, an, a, another theme for fantasy football. You know, you mentioned the Thursday night theme before. Um, when when a team has a really bad year, I think the fantasy football community at large does a very poor job of tracking the coaching changes at the coordinator level. Something we do in the book and all that. But Jay Gruden, everybody, the consensus, people don't like him. People don't like him as a head coach. But the consensus is he has a top-five offensive philosophy, and he's a top-five play caller in the league. Um, I've been saying this banging his drum. Jay Gruden, Andy Dalton was a star under Jay Gruden in Cincinnati. Kirk Cousins was a star. I'm talking about fantasy football stars, Um, top-ten quarterbacks. Gardner Minshew He's got everything that those guys had, maybe even a little bit more. He's probably of my of those three quarterbacks, my favorite quarterback in terms of talent. I love that he plays with balls. I mean, he's balls out every week. He throws the ball up to Chark, gives his receivers a chance to play. I mean, this Jacksonville offense, and uh, we were kind of dogging them against this, uh, like in, in terms of futures and all that. But we knew the offense would have, um, you know some strength to it. I like this team, man. I like you said, like I'm, I'm bullish on Chark. He's an auto start for me at this point. Robinson is an auto start. Minshew is close to being an auto start, and he's available in everybody's waiver wire right now. Um, Especially 1QB Leagues. Can we just stop with the Minshew hate? Get this guy rostered. yes, Like, he's legit. He is legit, and yeah, I mean, the 19-20, the he had a little bit of a, and this is another thing I love about Minshew, he had a rough start, statistically speaking, um, he had an interception early, he wasn't completing a lot of passes, last week against Indianapolis, 19-20, we were talking about that, this week, you know, he just started the game poorly, and then caught fire against a very good Tennessee Titans defense, like this, the offense is there for him, um, this team is better than I gave him credit for um, frankly, and this offense is just doing everything that we thought, and I, and LaVisca Chenault's coming along a lot faster than I thought he would. So, um, and not only that, but now you have D.D. Westbrook, who I know really hasn't played yeah, he has been inactive the yeah first two right weeks. then you got Cole and um and Conley as like the third fourth and fifth wide receivers tyler um tyler eifert who got in the end zone this this team has talent man they just don't ignore them it's not it's not a fluke everybody don't ignore them they're they're gonna be a factor um let me hit you through the line david or, or, did you want to talk about any dolphins sorry i think we we skipped over the the Not section. really
1: miles Gaskin, though i think four and six receptions the first two weeks that some up that pops out to me the only other running back I think Burita has one catch so he needs to definitely be on rosters uh even in deep leagues especially
0: yeah, so we talked a little bit about Miami um, last week, and I had not watched the game yet, and we were kind of like, what's going on with Gaskin and, and Breeden and, and snap count distribution? Was it a fluke? When I watched last week, watched the game, I, tw- I tweeted at you, but for the, for the listeners that don't follow us on Twitter, by the way, at TFS underscore Sean, at Guru Fantasy World with WRLD, uh, but all that's done in the show notes below. Uh, Gaskin is basically the running back when Miami goes to shotgun. Um Jordan Howard's not finding a lot of space running the ball when uh Fitzpatrick is under center. Uh Gaskin I think actually outcarried. Um Howard that's more of a factor of how the plays are being called right now. But here's the thing you need to know about Miami is they're going to be playing from behind a lot. Ryan Fitzpatrick likes the shotgun. And when Tua takes over, and it's a when, not an if, when he takes over, I believe Tua will be playing out of the shotgun primarily as well. To me, all signs point to Gaskin getting about 60% of the snap count and the carries in this offense. Therefore, he's going to have season-long value. He is somebody that escaped everybody's waiver wire last week. And in a week where we saw Mostert, and Saquon go down you need running backs you got Jarek McKinnon and you got Miles Gaskin those are the slam dunks right now and if the Giants end up signing a uh, Devonta Freeman that's another one you need to grab as well but now let me hit you with the line David it's Miami plus three versus Jacksonville week one who do you got I'm taking Jacksonville
1: I, I can't buy in and then take Miami for three <laughs> points, you
0: know I'm, I'm bought into
1: Jacksonville at this point I am
0: Yeah, I I think this is a close game. I think it's a field goal, and I think it's a push. If I were setting the line, I would have picked um, Jacksonville uh, minus three, and that's exactly what we're getting, Miami Dolphins and the points. Um, You know, Fitzpatrick, I don't know. Is this going to be the Jekyll or the Hyde week for for Fitzpatrick? You never know. But I'm going to take Jacksonville for that exact reason. I love the offense. And the defense, look, I know they gave up some points to Tennessee. Tennessee is a talented team, and they're an efficient team. Um, I know they gave up um, actually not that many points to a talented team, but they gave up a ton of yardage to Indianapolis. I think Jacksonville's defense, they they had a mass exodus, but they're a little bit better too. I'll take Jacksonville this week. Don't feel great about it. Not spending money on it, but not bad. All right, let's move it on, uh, David. We have the Chicago Bears versus the Atlanta Falcons. I'll hit you with the projections and we'll talk about it. Mitchell Trubisky I have a ridiculous projection on this week I haven't projected at a 31 um, I had him as a look I, I'm not playing him over major and I like Minshew more who we're just talking about but daily fantasy super flex um, Trubisky's a guy that's gonna have some juice this year he uses his legs he throws to Allen Robinson uh, I would like to see him throw the ball and spread it around a little bit more, but he is what he is, but he will get you some touchdowns this week, I like this matchup for him, especially against an Atlanta defense, uh, so he's a start for me, Montgomery is a start, Cohen is not, then I got Allen Robinson um, as a start, Anthony Miller, that's a coin flip every week, um, you know, whether or not, I have a startable projection on him, but I just stay away from him, and think he's too volatile, um, and then I'm away from everybody else in Chicago. Don't like tight end there. For Atlanta, look, Chicago's defense is for real. They're better. Uh, they're not as good as 2018, but they're better than last year's 2019 version. Still, Matt Ryan, I think you got to start him. we got to monitor what's going on with Julio Jones. He was a little banged up. But Calvin Ridley and Russell Gates are still going to get targets. Their starts for me. Um, I'm kind of a sit on Gurley this week. Don't like the matchup. Uh, Hayden Hurst, thank goodness we saw some juice from Hayden Hurst this week because I was a little worried about it, but we saw what we needed to see. He is a start for me as well. Um, So why don't you take it away, David?
1: Well, we talked about it last week, and I'll start with Hayden Hurst just because after week one there was a lot of panic for Hayden Hurst, but said it last week. It was the first game with Matt Ryan. All three Falcons wideouts caught nine passes week one. That wasn't going to continue to happen, and I think this week definitely – uh, ease the minds of Hayden Hart, uh, Hayden Hurst owners across, yeah, right. across the globe because he did. He finished with five for 72 and a touchdown. And this was with Matt Ryan only attempting 36 passes. So that's probably towards the middle end, maybe the lower end of the Matt Ryan spectrum. We're going to see a lot games where he attempts more passes than that. And the concern was kind of after week one, that it's going to be either Hurst or Gage on a weekly basis, right? Like, it's going to be one or the other. We found out this week both of these guys can succeed at the same time, which is kind of, I don't want to say worrisome for Julio Jones, but it is telling that through two weeks, Russell Gage is not only outperforming Julio Jones, he's out-targeting him. So (laughs) I am a little bit worried. It's Julio Jones. I mean, Mm. let's not blow this out of proportion here. But... Maybe he is starting to decline as a player. You talk about the injuries; like maybe he's starting to hit that curve and kind of come back down the other side a little. Yeah, bit and obviously Julio's
0: Julio's up. ceiling, even when he's on his decline, is so much higher than everybody else. But I hear what you're saying. One of the weirdest things about Julio Jones, when we've been tracking tracking offenses, you know, statistics, how defenses cover, and everybody else, one of the weird things is all of these really like top flight. I'm talking like top three wide receivers, that top tier wide receiver there. Of all those receivers, he catches like the least amount of touchdown passes. It's the weirdest thing. Oh, it's he like, dropped
1: a long one too. I know.
0: From from, from Russell Gage, Keith. oddly enough. Yeah. Oh, it was right in the breadbasket. I think that's the play that he actually came up a little lame on, um, if memory serves. But yeah, dude, like it, it's it's a little weird, but this Atlanta Falcons offense, they spread it around. And talking about Hayden Hurst for just for a second. What I do like about you know Atlanta and, and Hayden Hurst is they look for him in short yardage. They look for him in the goal line, which means that they trust him. You know they they trust him in the play calling. If the targets don't go there all game, he might finish with three targets, but they'll be high quality targets because Atlanta will be in the red zone probably three to four times a game based on that offense. So again, I, I'm breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief too. Hurst will be just fine. Um, if if he threw up like a four target game, I'd have been like I wouldn't have waved him or anything, but I I would have been. That would have been a DEFCON 4 or something like that, right? Let me
1: say with Jones, though, even though I'm a little worried about his ceiling, it's still probably a buy-low opportunity oh, yeah. because he's, you know Julio, he'll have a 200-yard game within the next two weeks to yeah. just quiet all the doubters. That's what he does.
0: Absolutely. Um, On the Chicago side, look, they're not the sexiest offense in the world. Um. You know, I, I I I don't like the offense. Uh, I know that they came out and Nagy was like all the rage when the when the Bears made the playoffs and Trubisky in his second year and like all that stuff. I think it was his second year. Yeah, I believe so. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a big buyer on Montgomery. Haven't been, although you know he played okay. Um, Terry Cohen got the extension. I usually am a little bit higher on him, although I don't like the projection this week. But in in week one, Trubisky spread the ball around. We saw Anthony Miller. I said, okay, well, is that going to happen two weeks in a row? It was more of a the, the old-school Trubisky. I'm just going to chuck it up to Allen Robinson, which is great if you own Allen Robinson. I just don't like the offense. Um, but they're playing a soft defense, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Anything on Chicago before I move on to the spread, David?
1: I just think Anthony Miller is probably an intriguing DFS dart throw against that Atlanta DFS, uh, yeah. secondary.
0: I'm not playing him in my fantasy leagues. DFS, I have no qualms about that. In fact, having a, having a cheap Trubisky and DFS, um, And Anthony Miller, DFS stack is a nice strategy because then he can load up elsewhere. And probably Jarek McKinnon at running back this week because he's going to get an uptick. Wait
1: till we talk about him.
0: Yeah, I know. I know, right? Um, So uh, let me hit you with the line, David. We got Chicago plus three versus Atlanta. Who do you got?
1: I'm... I'm going to take Atlanta here just because I feel like they're really, really desperate for that win, especially after that tough loss to the Cowboys here.
0: How do you get three turnovers in the in the first quarter and blow that game at the end? And then that, that onside kick for Atlanta, indefensible. I actually saw a little, I didn't read the story, I saw the headline. Quinn said the Atlanta Falcons um, special teams unit, quote, quote, definitely know the rules. That's how bad it was, is that was the headline. Yeah, yeah, our team knows the rules of an on-site. I mean, seriously, there's like six Falcons around the ball. You're allowed to jump on the ball, man. Like, there's uh, there was one bear crashing in, like six Falcons. Just jump on that thing, man. I know it's a hot potato, but come on, man. That was so bad. So bad. Anyway, um, if I were setting a line, this is the second one in a row, actually, because I set these lines before I look at them, and I had Chicago plus three at Atlanta. I think Atlanta wins the game. Um, and I think it's a push, but if I'm going to take one, I'm going to take Chicago to keep that game close. I don't like it. I'm not spending my money on it. Second time I've, in a row I said that, but um, you know that line I think is very well said. I, I have it as Atlanta 27, Chicago 24, so I'm right on that line. All right, next game on the list, intriguing one, David, intriguing one. Cincinnati Bengals versus the Philadelphia Eagles. You got Cincinnati and Philadelphia both 0-2. I wouldn't have thought Philadelphia would start the season 0-2. This is a big game for Philadelphia. Cincinnati, we'll talk about them in just a bit because I have a gripe to throw out there. Um, Let me hit you with projections here. Uh, Look, I know he threw the ball 61 times last week. I don't love it for Burrow, but if you have him, I do love Burrow in Daily Fantasy. Take a flyer on him. Take a flyer on him, but... Um, I don't love him against the Eagles this week. Mixon, at this point, I do not have a start projection on him. I don't. I realize draft capital, you're probably going to play him and hope something changes. The Philadelphia Eagles, the one thing their defense is doing is keeping the yards per carry down. I don't like it. Um, I don't have great projections on uh, A.J. Green, but I do have a start designation on uh, Tyler Boyd. So that's a better matchup, that second secondary wide receiver. Um, now Cincinnati, I do have a start grade at tight end, but I guess that's sample now because Usama is on the IR uh, again, that's more of a daily fantasy. I think you can do better on your, in your fantasy leagues with something that a little bit more stable, Philadelphia. I have a sit on Carson Wentz. He's not playing great football right now. I watched that game. Didn't like what I saw. Miles Sanders is a start. Boston Scott, I think has a great matchup this week. I like him, especially in daily fantasy. Uh, don't have anything at wide receiver. And actually, the tight ends aren't as good as they usually are. I'm a start on Eifert, and I am a probably a sit on Dallas Goddard. I don't say that often because I do like both tight ends in this offense. I just don't like the matchup this week. Take it away, David.
1: I'm going to start with the Bengals. Let's talk about Joe Burrow, man, oh because I I started coming around on him towards the end of right as we went to season, and I was not anywhere near high enough on this guy. I mean, to me, what stands out is the athleticism and the rushing ability. We don't have to talk about the fact he threw 61 passes this past week. 316 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's great. He rushed for 46 yards and a touchdown week one. And then he rushed the ball seven times again this past week. So even in a one QB format, you got to go out and get Joe Burrow. Because as he starts to settle in, this team's going to need to score. We've seen the defense. It's absolutely atrocious. Mm Mm-hmm. I think Joe Burrow's got major, major blow up weeks. Just you talk about when he gets in the end zone as a rusher, you throw in the passing and he's yep. gonna have he's gonna have some top five finishes this year on a weekly basis. Talk about the wide receivers. One thing that stood out to me this past week, T. Higgins outsnapped AJ Green. AJ Green got all the noise because he had those thirteen targets. Everybody yep. was analyzing those. T. Higgins outsnapped him. The snap count we had, um, Tyler Board eight 85 snaps. Holy moly. How how the heck did they play that many snaps? (laughs) 85 snaps. Target this whole. Even that makes me high on Mixon. 85 snaps offensively. Holy moly. Maybe it's an opportunity to buy low on Mixon. I don't love him,
0: but. Yeah, I would. let me jump in there with Mixon don't sell on him we this the same exact thing happened last season do not sell on him because people that sold on him really got punched in the mouth the second half of the year now whether or not you're playing matchup I'm cool with that and and if you don't have Mixon Nixon, you're right it's a buy low scenario because I know some fantasy owners are panicking anyway go ahead and back and cut cut, cut back in on counts. me David so
1: we had Boyd at 85 T Higgins at 65 snaps A.J. Green at 62, and then another thing stands out. It looks like Michael Thomas has, the other Michael Thomas, I should say, has overtaken John Ross. He He looks good. He played 35 snaps to Ross's 30. So in like a deep dynasty league, maybe you pick up Michael Thomas. You know, anything happens to A.J. Green, he could start seeing some more in three wide receiver steps. You talk about Drew Sample. He caught seven passes for 45 yards. If you combine him and Uzoma's stat line last week, we have 11 catches 97 yards and a touchdown drew sample you talk about 12 team leagues the tight end it's already going to be bare after two weeks your options maybe you have chris herndon on the waiver wire after that maybe oj howard like there's nothing out there right two guys who stand out to me this week at tight end for ads one would be dalton schultz obviously who went off with Dallas. the other drew sample i mean he needs to be rostered in twelve-team leagues after this week. If you don't roster him this week, somebody's going to pick him up, and you're not going to have a chance to get him next week.
0: Let me uh, let me talk a little bit about Joe Burrow. By the way, I've been if if you're watching on YouTube, you probably saw that I was a little distracted. So one of the things I do uh, before the season, now that you know we we're seeing the like the football and baseball card market like just go nuts and stuff, I buy all the rookie quarterbacks. And so, like, you see this little card here, this little one of, like, the releases. It's the Joe Burrow card. Whenever I see it, I buy early in the season on eBay. I go in. I pick this card up for, like, 2 bucks. This card is probably now worth 20 bucks, maybe even 30 at this point. And it's just going to keep going up. Something about Cincinnati's offense, and the reason I do that, and it's a point that I'm illustrating, is Zach Taylor, first of all, even if he sucks as a coach, and I don't like him as a head coach. I don't. I'm on record of saying that. I didn't like him last year. I don't like him now because I think as a head coach, what he should be doing is feeding Joe Mixon. You throw the ball 61 times, Dave, you probably have the stat up, but how many targets did Joe Mixon have this week in the receiving game?
1: I'll tell you, he had less than Giovanni Bernard. He had, it, I don't know about targets, he had four receptions, 40 yards. I think it was four, points. I
0: believe it was four targets, four receptions. I think he caught every target he got, if I and remember correctly. he looked correctly. good
1: on him, and every time he heats up, they just take him out of the game. It's it un- makes
0: no sense. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. He is, he is, and I like Cincinnati's personnel. I do. I love A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd and um they're full stable wide receivers you mentioned Higgins like I love their talent Joe Mixon is the most talented offensive player on their roster and they never give him the damn ball it's not that complicated it really is not when we saw in the back half of last season what did we see why did Joe Mixon stock go through the roof during the fantasy draft cycle it's because of what we saw the back half of the league but what I said in the offseason I'm not sure if it was one of our recordings or not David As I said, Zach Taylor wants to throw the ball. He wants to be the new dirt cutter. He wants to just chuck the ball. We saw it with Andy Dalton early in the season last season. We saw it when they went to whoever that guy was, um, that backup quarterback. They just started chucking the ball. When Mixon went crazy, he was going crazy mainly when Cincinnati was losing by like two or three scores late in the game. Um, and he was getting all this chunk yardage against kind of soft defensive fronts, and I'm like, what is what is this guy doing, Zach? T- like, what is he doing as a play caller? I hate it. I do watch every game, so Bengals fans, I know you're coming in, so oh, I actually take the time to watch the games because I get that comment a lot. I watch every game of the NFL season. Do you? <laughs> I mean, like, I know when an offense is good, right? I, I I see what Baltimore does, I see what Atlanta does, I see what Dallas is doing. Cincinnati, give the ball to Mixon, control the clock help your young quarterback out who looks incredible by the way. And by the way, let me talk about uh, Bro, let me give you the glass half full part. Joe Burrow 61 attempts in his second NFL game and he looked good. He looked so good dropping dimes using his legs. He is going to be a star. I just hate that they don't use Joe Mixon more. In Cincinnati, they're a better team than what we're seeing on the field right now and we I don't even need to say, I wouldn't even say we're seeing a bad team. But Cincinnati can be better. They need to drop Taylor. I'm telling you, I said the same thing a game or two in last season with Cleveland. Um, but what's different is I don't think Brown likes. Um, I don't think um, uh, he likes paying two head coaches. I think I think he's going to run out of his contract, and I think we're going to be pulling our hair out. I'm worried. If I'm a mixing owner, I am. I'm not selling just yet, but I'm worried. There's my rent. <laughs>
1: All right, what's the next? Oh, no, one more thing before we go to the next game because I didn't say anything about Philly. Yeah. It, it doesn't take a whole lot to notice this. Miles Sanders, like, he's definitely a DFS option. Look at what Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt did to the Bengals last week. I mean, they, right now they have the second most fantasy points allowed to running backs for two weeks. So, Miles Sanders, you're firing him up yep. this week.
0: Yep, absolutely. And he does add – I mean, Philadelphia needed him so bad, so it's good that he came back. But I really – it's it's funny to say people are probably gonna like feel like what the hell is this guy talking about? But they need Alshon back. Uh, they need a possession receiver on the outside. Um, and uh, once they do that, you know you get Deshaun Jackson maybe running more routes. I like early returns on you know Rager. I like Ward. I don't like Arcega-Whiteside at all. If he was ever going to do anything, he would have done it by now. He's had ample opportunity. He's worthless to me. Uh, but let me hit you with the line here, David. Uh, Cincinnati. This is funny because. Is another difficult line for me. Um, Cincinnati plus six and a half versus Philadelphia. Who do you got?
1: I'll take Cincinnati in the points just because Philadelphia, they need to get it together. They're not there yet.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we were just talking about this before. I mean, Philadelphia, the one thing their defense is doing really well right now is they're, you know, stopping the run. Cincinnati doesn't care about that. They're not going to run the ball. <laughs> you know, they're not going to throw screen passes to Mixon, to you know, so that we can be. Freaking crazy about Cincinnati and their play uh, play distribution. But, you know, I seriously, I honestly think Burrow's going to throw the ball for another 50 times. Um, and I, I, those receivers, we've been talking about them all offseason, man. I like them. I like Cincinnati plus the points. I do think Philadelphia, you know, they, got, they have good leadership on the team. I know things are in flux. I think they'll put it together and win this game as a close game. I have it Philadelphia plus four, so I am taking Cincinnati to cover the spread. Um, um, by six, you know, with those six and a half points. All right, let's move on. We have the Houston Texans versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got to say, man, the Houston Texans, whoever made this schedule for the Houston Texans, you open with Kansas City, then you go to Baltimore or, or play Baltimore, then you got Pittsburgh coming in right behind that. Just the worst three-game opening that I can ever remember Houston, man, that's a tough, it's a tough boat, but let me hit you with projections, man, so we got uh, Deshaun Watson, to me, is probably an auto start, I'm starting him this week, Uh, David Johnson, because of Pittsburgh's defense is good, I don't have a great projection, although I am a start on him this week, just because I think he'll get you the volume, Uh, he came close to getting a really deep grab, too, I think down the sideline, he had opportunities, so he'll be fine, it's just, look, Baltimore's a tough matchup, and I know Pittsburgh's a tough matchup, he'll be fine, um, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, Will Fuller? Hey, the hamstring, the hamstring struck again. Ugh, my gosh! So didn't
1: take long either. Didn't take
0: long. I was shocked that he made it. Th- Honestly, I was shocked that he made it through week one. <laughs> um, I mean this this isn't this isn't any surprise if you follow Will Fuller. So that means you know Cooks and Cobb are the next guys up. Do you feel good about starting him? No, but I think you got to play Cooks just based on volume. The tight ends are intriguing to me. Fells gets in the end zone. Aikens gets another high yardage day, something you should be keeping an eye on. Uh, The distribution with DeAndre Hopkins is out, and now Will Fuller's out. This thing's going to be spread open, and I think that we're also going to see you know, Deshaun Watson run the ball more because I think he's going to have to. As for Pittsburgh, uh, Roethlisberger, the, the analytics, again, they're using a lot of 2019 stuff, so we're catching up. So I'm trying to get rid of the Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges effect. Um, I am a start on uh, Ben Roethlisberger. I love the weaponry he has. James Conner comes out. He was a little banged up. Was he going to split snaps with uh, you know Benny Snell? Was his job at risk? Well, he put that to rest against a pretty decent, I think, Denver defense. I'm a start on him. I'm a start on three wide receivers for Pittsburgh every week. Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson are slam dunks, and it is only a matter of time before Claypool breaks out. Claypool is almost like another DK Metcalf. He is a physical freak. Um, he's just not getting the snap count, Uh, but when he's in there, you can see him. I mean, he looks to me like Terrell Owens did You know when he was playing at his prime. He's just a massive, massive threat. I like James Washington. This offense can support four receivers, but it's only a matter of time before Claypool really starts breaking out. So especially if you're in deeper leagues, pick him up if he's still available. And I'm a sell on Pittsburgh's tight end every week unless you're looking for daily fantasy. Take it away, David.
1: Well, let's just start about the Texans. I'm not even going to talk about them because there's nothing to even talk about there for me. If you drafted Deshaun Watson and David Johnson, you're probably starting them. Mm -hmm. Just based on where you draft them, you don't have a choice. Other than that, I don't want nothing to do with it. Will Fuller talk about the injury. Don't want to take a chance on him. Brandon Cooks, how can you justify putting him in the starting lineup right now? Just avoid that team until they face
0: some easier matchups. A slight disagreement there. You know, Fells is one of these guys, and I'm, I'm away from wide receivers, the same thing you said, but Fells is like a guy, if you look back at his stats last year, he had like three, maybe even four two touchdown games. Like Watson will look for him on the goal line. But what I don't like is that this is kind of a two tight end team now. So you have a distribution of targets there instead of a consolidated. So I'm more of a buy if one of those guys gets hurt on the other guy. Uh, but if you're in a standard or touchdown only league, I think those guys have some value. But under kind of a standard, you know, like PPR, half PPR, anything like that, I, I do stay away because you can find value elsewhere.
1: And it was Fells last week. It was Akins the week before. You're right. Exactly. I'm not exactly. taking a chance on either yeah. of
0: those guys. Yeah, no argument. Um...
1: But yeah, it, on the other side, you talk about Pittsburgh, you talk about Claypool. He's got five reception, averaging 25.4 <laughs> yards per K, uh, oh, yards per gosh. reception right now. So if he can see that snap count go up, it, it almost seems inevitable at, at this point that he's going to take James Conner's three wide receiver snaps. It's it's a when, not an if.
0: Yeah, right. I think then you James Washington, the, right? His wide receiver. Oh, three. James Washington. Yeah, my, yeah.
1: my apologies. I got Conner on the yeah, mind. Yeah. Talk about James Conner and Benny Snell. We were kind of expecting a little bit of a split uh, backfield this week. Connor out-snapped him 50 snaps to 10 snaps. (laughs) So it was clearly the James Connor show. Yeah, I would love to say sell him now. I I will say sell him now. Sell him now if you can. Get out from under the James Connor rug. Especially in a
0: dynasty, year keeper.
1: Get out from it while you can, all right? But with that being said... The Houston Texans right now, through two weeks, have the sixth most fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs who they face this week. If James Conner can, and this at this point, betting on James Conner to stay healthy for one more week feels like betting on I don't know, like Will Will Fuller. (laughs) Today, like it is probably unlikely, but. If he can have another good game against the Texans, his value is going to continue to rise. People are going to be more willing to buy him off your team after he's stacked two good games yeah. as opposed to just this one. I don't know if anyone's going out and overpaying for Connor after just one good game. After this next game, hopefully, 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 hopefully he can stack one more. Get him off your roster.
0: I'll say this. On the Monday night game, I know that the the injury and he was out, like literally Snell looked bad more physically strong as a running back. He looked like the best running back on the roster. Um I have not watched the Pittsburgh game from this past week, so maybe I'll go back on my words when I actually watched the film against I'm sorry, they played Denver this week. Uh, who did they play? The Giants. Um Snell against the Giants looked better than Connor did. Um so yeah, I mean it's I, I I like Connor, but I just think that he's gonna be overtaken for this job. Whether it's this season or next season, I don't know. It's gonna happen soon. So if you're in a keeper or a dynasty league you know, maybe wait past this week and you sell on him and, and try to get some some talent coming in the door. And, yeah, I mean, do you remember, David, when when Martavis Bryant was the third wide oh. receiver in Pittsburgh? That's. Do what... I
1: remember Martavis Bryant? I, this heart has been broken by Martavis <laughs> Bryant. I bought in on Martavis Bryant. I called him the next Randy Moss at one point. Those words came hey. out of my mouth. <laughs> I can't believe I'm getting that right now. Well, if he he didn't
0: have the the off-the-field stuff, who knows, right? So you can't really say you're wrong, um, although you were wrong. But, you know, history has proven you're wrong anyway. But (laughs) he had physical talent. But what I'm saying is Claypool could could have that kind of upside. It's not going to hurt Deontay Johnson. It's not going to hurt Juju Smith-Schuster. But, man, this is a team that can put up points. Let me hit you with the spread here, David. Um, Let's see here. Houston plus four and a half. This is another one that's dead on the marker for me. Houston plus four and a half. Um, against Pittsburgh, who are you going to take?
1: I flip a coin. I don't like e- picking either of these teams just because Pittsburgh. I feel like they we give them too much credit at times. So I'll I'll take the Texans in the points here, just to keep it somewhat close.
0: I think, you know, the Texans, they're not a bad team. They had they played two really good teams. So I think we're going to get a spirited game. I think we're going to get a high-scoring game, even though Pittsburgh's defense is obviously very good. I'm waffling, too. I mean, I literally put this line at four. So to four and a half is just like, I'm just going to stay away from it. I wrote down this morning, Houston, I just scratched it out and wrote Pittsburgh. To be honest with you, by the time we do our get-paid picks and everything on, on Wednesday or Thursday, whenever it is, I might switch it back to Houston. I don't know for this podcast and for purposes of tracking. I'll take Pittsburgh now just to add a little intrigue and drama. Um, Okay, next game on the list, we have the Las Vegas Raiders versus New England Patriots. Little caveat reminder here, um, we haven't seen the Monday night game yet for the Las Vegas uh, Raiders. Uh, You know, we record these segments on Monday morning, uh, but we will be cleaning this up later in the week. We know we have a lot of Raiders fans kind of on this network and stuff, so we appreciate that. Uh, By the way, like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, Las Vegas, look, it's it's New England's defense. Um, Not every team is going to be able to do what Seattle did to New England um, on Sunday night football. Uh, The Raiders, though, I do think they're going to have success running the ball against New England. Um... I, don't, I like New England's defensive line. I think it's going to be good. It's going to be an interesting game. I'm not a buyer on Derek Carr. I am a buyer on Josh Jacobs this week. They'll stick with it, and I think they'll do well. And I think Connor gets in the or, um, Jacobs gets in the end zone. But because I'm not a buyer on Carr, I'm actually not a buyer on anybody other than uh, Darren Waller. And I got news for everybody. Darren Waller is going to be facing off against probably like – they might ro- rotate uh, Stephon Gilmore on uh, Darren Waller. I mean, New England knows that he's probably the big option. Um, I think they'll probably cover rugs a lot like uh, they did with Tyler Lockett, which means not a lot of over-the-top stuff, but Ruggs might be a good possession guy this week. So an interesting matchup, I think, um, and probably be a little bit closer than people might think as well. Now, New England, Cam Newton still looks like a monster. Um, I was I was really dubious about him, but I'm all in on Cam Newton this year, dude. He's going to be so good. I'm going to start on him. Um, don't like running back there. Let's see. Wide receiver, Julian Edelman. I like Nikhil Harry. He looks good. I'll talk about him in a little bit, physically imposing. I like the way this offense is using him. I think he's going to pop soon if you're looking for a fantasy football wide receiver on the waiver wire. And then I do have a good projection at tight end, but I'm staying away, man. I'm not starting Izzo. Give me a break. Um, So there you go. Take it away, David.
1: I feel like I'm kind of off everybody for this game. Uh, I don't (laughs) love anybody. Just because New England's defense is really good, and I don't know how much I trust the Raiders. I, I like the Raiders' offense. Yeah. I think they're good in the right matchup. I don't know how much I trust them against New England's defense. You talk about Belichick. What does he do? He figures out who's your best player, what you're best at, and he takes it away. So Josh Jacobs, we'll see what he does tonight. Um, but... If I have three good running backs and maybe I can bench Josh Jacobs, I don't think it's crazy against New England. I think they're going to do everything they can to stop Josh Jacobs. Talk about Darren Waller. That's going to be the the big thing is whether Gilmore's on him. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm probably avoiding Raiders receivers across the board. And I mean, if you have Waller, you probably don't have a better option. But it's more of a DFS. I'm probably just avoiding everybody in, in this matchup except for cam noon how can you avoid cam noon with as hot as he is right now
0: yeah like let me let me go back to the raiders so i do think um you know kind of what seattle did with their offensive line and running the ball um you know with with carson and Hyde. i think that the raiders can can duplicate that success they're physical i think they'll get it done and, and you know they're patient with it you know they're they're fine with three and a half yards per carry if that's what it comes down to um which is good i mean i love the way gruden calls a game i love the coaching i mean this is a team they still need some pieces to be at that upper echelon but this is a team like the titans that their style of play wins in january and that's when you want to be winning games um look i really think that it's going to be gilmore on waller that's just my guess the reason why seattle won that game is because dk metcalf took down the reigning nfl defensive player in the year on sunday night football I don't think Waller has the skill level to do that. Um, you're talking about DK Metcalf can out-physical you and he can run past you, and that's what it takes to beat Stefan Gilmore. And I think, you know, Ruggs is going to have a nice game, but he's going to be bracketed. He's going to have a guy over the top. He's going to have a guy on him. It's going to be like basically cover two on his side of the field. So, yeah, um, don't love him. I'm staying away from the passing game there, but, you know, Jacobs I'll take. Uh, and then let me talk a little bit about uh, Nikhil Harry. He's a wide receiver. <clears throat> I love the way they're using him. Short, high percentage pass plays. That it, I don't know if you watch this game, uh, the Sunday Night Football game live, but the hit he took from Diggs in the first <gasps> quarter, or whatever, held on to the ball. Not he only got did he, knocked
1: out for a split second. I think he there. got knocked out, they, but
0: if how you how watch him, not
1: check him out? how did they not check him out? I know, right? He was like asleep for like a quarter second there, like
0: just <laughs> not moving. I think you're right, man, and like he got popped in the It was an awful hit. An awful hit and I agree with that you know the guy should have been yanked but um gets the ball gets popped in the face and you can see on the slow-mo that the ball comes out and as he's losing consciousness on the way to the ground puts his hand back on the ball and secures it unbelievable but um and not only that but I mean the toughness is there Obviously, New England waived Mohamed Sanu prior to the season. Uh, and Sanu's a smart player. New England Patriots like smart. So that tells you something about his viability in this offense. And running these out of the slot, running these quick you know, outs, running these quick slants and everything, Cam Newton hitting hitting him, it's a matter of he's going to be a monster in the red zone. We've been seeing essentially Cam Newton run over people in the red zone all season. At some point, they will pass the ball and keel harry is a guy that you can get on by low now i think he's startable this week and edelman i liked the target and the in the receptions when i was kind of going through and doing the distribution like i know edelman had a nice game but i did not assume eight catches in 179 i think it was like that was um, his career high in receiving yards from how cam about newton that? how about that that cam newton's throwing the ball a... his his downfield throw like he looks better as a passer and you got to give it i mean the patriots know how to coach their players man like it's it's working in New England. I was, I was skeptical. I really was. But it is working. And I can say, like, I always say never bet against New England, and I wasn't going to. But I was betting, you know, I didn't think Cam Newton would look as sharp as a passer as he does. And he can run people over. This is like this is like vintage Cam Newton on this team. They're going to be a tough team to deal with. And Seattle, to me, is a top three team in the league, hands down. And that's what it takes to beat New England now. Um, so anyway, I love this. I love this game. But let me hit you with the line because it's kind of a big line, David. Las Vegas plus six and a half against New England. Who do you got?
1: Is it in New England or it in is. Las Vegas?
0: It is New England. Even
1: though that doesn't really matter anymore
0: because of the crowd, right?
1: I still take New England here just because I feel like. Like I said, I think they're going to find a way to shut down that Raider offense and what that Raider offense does well. And I don't know if that offense is ready to take that next step against New England. So I'm going to take New England here.
0: Like I would like, I would like Las Vegas a lot more. This is, by the way, out of I think we're this is the fifth game out of five games. The lines that I set before actually checking in uh, with these lines is within a half point. So it's another spread that I don't like. Um, I'm going to take Vegas to cover. It's not one that I love, and like I said, I never bet against Bill Belichick, so I won't do it. Um, I, I think the running game will keep the game close. I think the Raiders' defense is a little bit better. I'm curious to see how these two teams match up, but I just think New England right now is just more talented. I like the coaching on both teams and all that stuff, but I like what I'm seeing from Cam Newton. And when they need a third and one converted, or if they're you know they have two downs, um, it's you know third and goal from the two or something like that. You can count on New England to get it done. Um, that little jab step and throw in like the second quarter or whatever it was. it stuff's going to be there for New England all year. So, uh, with respect to the Raiders, I do like them. Um, it's just a tough matchup for them. I do like Jacobs, but you know, is what it is. We'll see. Uh, we'll see as we move forward. Uh, next game on the list here, we got the Los Angeles Rams versus the Buffalo Bills in one of my favorite matchups of the week. I'll hit you with the projections here. Uh, look, Buffalo's defense is really good. I like what Golf is doing, but I'm gonna sit on Golf. Um, I'm a start on both running backs. We'll see what happens with Cam Akers and his rib injury. Um, I tend to think he'll probably be benched. Daryl Henderson looked good, took advantage of that opportunity. I'm a start on both running backs this week, um, even against that tough Bills defense. But I'm going to sit in the passing game. I think the passing yards are going to be tough to come by. Although, at this point, you have to start Higby. It's uh, it's tough for me to say that. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, hey, man, we have to we... victory lap, Yeah, I know. It was fun
1: for like the 12 seconds it lasted. I enjoyed it, man. I really did. It yeah. seems like a distant memory now, though.
0: No, yeah, we're, we were we were both we both whiffed on um, on Higby so far. Higby is cutting into Cooper Cup's numbers, uh, you know, as that receiver. Now that's that's going to even out throughout the year, but Higby is very obviously a starting tight end. So, congrats to those who have him uh, for Buffalo. I'm a weekly start on Josh Allen. He's looking really good, everybody. Um, I was a slam, that was a slam dunk cover for me for Buffalo. I can't believe the Buffalo defense let Miami get that cover touchdown at the end of the game. Ugh. Anyway, but Josh Allen, yeah, dude, he's a he's a weekly start. I think we'll get more from Devin Singletary this week. I have a start grade or a start projection on him. Uh, we mentioned it, man. Stephon Diggs and John Brown both have value in this offense. I like what they're doing. I'm a definite start on Diggs. Brown is kind of like a – and still a guy you can probably grab off a of Waivers Daily Fantasy type guy, uh, but I do have a start projection on him, and then I don't have anybody else on this Buffalo offense as a start, um, including Zach Moss and, and tight ends there. Take it away, David.
1: I'm going to start with Buffalo and just – congratulate you a little bit for the John Brown call you were putting John Brown saying he could be over digs. I won't say that was a great
0: call yeah yeah but
1: the fact you were even saying John Brown is going to be uh, still fantasy relevant a fantasy starter this year you clearly nailed that and I think that's the major takeaway from the Bills is they're starting to transform they're no they longer that running offense. they look like a passing offense now and it's kind of deflating our perceptions of the running backs like we got, you have to be lower on Singletary and Moss mm-hmm. after two weeks, and you have to be higher on Stephon Diggs and John Brown after two weeks. You don't have a choice just because it's the ball's starting to go towards the wide receivers more than it used to in the past. And the thing about Diggs that really stands out to me, I was worried about this Miami matchup a little bit. They have two good corners. Talk about Xavier Howard. They brought in Byron Jones. Mm-hmm. He's tied for third in targets in the NFL right now with, uh, I believe, 22 through two weeks so he's getting substantial targets right now even in a tougher matchup this again I think this week three against the Rams possible matchup against Ramsey it's gonna it's gonna tell us a lot if Diggs has another good game my lord is is he basically been legitimized this year as probably I almost want to say the steal of of the draft at wide receiver right now.
0: So far, I think you can definitely uh, make that. And Calvin Ridley, obviously, is going nuts in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, I mean, this offense, what's, what I'm really impressed by um, is the progression of Josh Allen. And I watched, I tried to watch the game live, but I had some connection issues. I don't know if everybody did on, on DirecTV or what have you, but... <laughs> <clears throat> I tried to watch this game live about five minutes into the game. I lost my connection to that game, so I had to switch over to something else. So I didn't get a chance to watch it, even though I was really looking forward to it. But I was able to get back to it at the end of the game. Josh Allen looks great. He's throwing the ball on a dime to Allen, um, to, to Diggs and uh, Brown downfield. You're right about the running backs. I'm surprised they aren't utilizing Devin Singletary more out of the flat. But to be honest with you, they haven't had to because they're, both of these guys are open. And what I did think about Diggs was that, he was going to open stuff up, you know. John Brown would see more single coverage. He's the weirdest guy because he has—he's had his best seasons as a pro in his thirties. You never see that, uh, but we're seeing it now. Uh, he's got the opportunity. And Diggs, man, Diggs is playing like he's a freaking second or second year player. He's got the juice again. Um, I'm just really impressed at the downfield passing game. I didn't think it would be this progressed. And so Allen is—you know—hats off to him. If Buffalo, if their defense played up to snuff against Miami last week. I said this after week one, and I'll say it again, because Buffalo's defense will rebound and, and will start being dominant. This is last year's Baltimore Ravens. You have a quarterback taking a massive leap forward. They have weapons everywhere, and their defense is strong. And when they want to run the ball, first of all, Josh Allen can run. But I do believe that Singletary and Moss can get it done on the ground You know, once they're trying to close games out in January. And this is a fun team to watch. And I don't know that I would have thought fun team before the season, but they're a fun team to watch, man. I like them. And the Rams. The Rams got me tough. Let me talk. Can I jump in real quick? Yeah, please do.
1: Just because they're running back stable. Like week one, it was Malcolm Brown, and I think we talked about a little bit last week. He did this last year. He had a monster week one where he had 11 carries, 53 yards, two touchdowns last year week one. He didn't have 11 carries or 53 yards or more than one, one touchdown in any game after that. Seems almost like we're deja vu happening again this year. But he did out-snap Henderson 37-29, to which I think gives him a little bit more of a, I would say, less risk than last year. He's mm-hmm. not going to fall off probably as much as he did last year. And they were winning that game substantially, so they had reason to kind of bring Henderson in and give him more touches. But Henderson looked better than Brown. He just looked better than him and then you talk yeah. about acres we don't know how long that injury is how serious it is at this point like all three rams running backs need to be owned but you're a little bit crazy if you're putting any of these guys in your starting lineup
0: yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, the, Ram, the Rams, they're going to be running the ball. The The, the key takeaway here, if you're a Rams fan, you got to love what you're seeing so far. And I agree, Henderson has looked the best out of any running back, including Akers. Um, which, again, one of my rules is if you don't pop when you have the opportunity in a rookie, it's hard to at the running back position. But he is like, he's proven that theory wrong. I mean, he looked really good last week. Let's see if that uh, that continues. We're a little long in the tooth of the show, though. So let me hit you with the line, David. L.A. This is a great game um la rams plus three against the buffalo bills what do you think
1: i'm taking buffalo buffalo's hot right now man
0: gosh this is this is such a hard game this is almost like the new england seattle game for me last week it's like i don't know i feel like either team could win this game it's such a coin flip i like what the rams are doing considering they're getting points i'll take the rams if buffalo was getting points i would take buffalo um I'll take the Rams to cover the spread here, um, and I actually have them as winning the game outright, 27 to 24. But it, I mean, it really is a coin flip. Both of these teams are so so good. I know the people watching on YouTube, we we, we have a good Bills crowd, we have a good Rams crowd. Comment below, give me your score predictions. And uh, like, comment, and subscribe as well. Damn it, but uh, no, but um, give me your score predictions. I think this is like. Maybe the, well, I can't call it the game of the week because we have a hell of a Monday nighter in Kansas City and Baltimore, but this is definitely going to probably be my primary TV of my three TVs on uh, on Sunday afternoon. It's going to be a really nice one. All right, and right, let's move it on. We got the San Francisco 49ers versus New York Giants in the battle of the injured running backs. Uh, yeah, San Francisco, they got Ayuk back, but I really think this this um, offense is hurting for Debo Samuel. Once Samuel comes back, it'll be better. Obviously, most are out. The reports I've seen is, uh, you know, MCL, Uh, So hopefully it won't be too long. But you got Jarek McKinnon. And this offense will support two running backs, especially now as they adjust. Uh, Jordan Reed went crazy, but that was predictable um, considering the matchup and considering George Kittle was out. And then the high ankle sprain for Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't love it, but I actually like Mullins as a backup to execute the system. He's been around for a while, so I'm not panicking there. Let me hit you with projections, David. Um, I have quarterback regardless of of the Garoppolo injury, regardless if he plays as a sit. Jarek McKinnon is a slam dunk start. Somebody need to pick up off of waivers right now. At a minimum, he's going to get you three weeks of juice. But even after Mostert comes back, if and when that happens, he's still going to have value for him. You need to pick up Jarek McKinnon. That is the slam dunk waiver wire acquisition of the week. Um, At wide receiver uh, for San Francisco, I don't have any of these guys as starts, uh, but I do like tight end this week, regardless of who plays, Kittle or Reed, and probably both of them will have some value for you this week. Uh, For the Giants, I like what the team's doing, but Saquon Barkley getting hurt, that's bad. As of the time of this recording, Um, we don't know what's going to happen, but they're working out Devonta Freeman. If he's there, I like Freeman as a waiver wire pickup quite a bit. He fits into this offensive system, but losing Saquon's big, man. Um, I'm a weekly start at this point on Slayton, uh, but I don't really like anybody else except for maybe Golden Tate and that includes Ingram. I don't like the projection against San Francisco's defense, even though this defense on San Francisco, my gosh, Bosa and Solomon Thomas carted off the field. What a week for ACL San Francisco. ACL for
1: Bosa, it looks like, sir, they said. Uh,
0: you know what, dude? Like, the San Francisco 49ers, um, the training staff, let me make a suggestion for you. Fish oil and more stretching. Please, for crying out loud. Anyway, um, take it away, David.
1: First things first, prayers up for Raheem Mostert. I'm just <laughs> hoping that this is nothing serious. Yeah. I heard mild MCL sprain still. We're talking about a guy who has just taken off. Hopefully he can come back healthy. If not, you talk about Jarek McKinnon, even Tevin Coleman, the upside is crazy, crazy high. I've been on McKinnon over Coleman since the beginning of the offence. I heard Mm -hmm. McKinnon has been back and healthy at training camp. And a lot of it has to do with, I mentioned this, I feel like every episode, Tevin Coleman has not been good for two years. He (laughs) averaged 1.8 yards per carry after contact his last year with Atlanta two years ago per attempt. Last year, 1.4 yards after contact per attempt. By comparison, Raheem Mostert was like 3.5 and 2.2 after contact per attempt for the last two years. So there was a clear gap between Coleman and Mostert, and that's all Coleman is to me. He's a worse version of Raheem Mostert. He doesn't give this offense anything that they don't already have unless Raheem Mostert is out. Then he becomes interesting. But you talk about if Raheem Mostert comes back at some point, which I believe he will, Mm. Jarek McKinnon is the number two back to own in this offense. And he's made it clear, even on limited amount of touches, he's had six touches in the first week and only three last week. He scored 13 fantasy points in each of those weeks. Are you going to be able to expect a 40-plus yard run and a touchdown every week from McKinnon? No. But context is key here. This guy is coming off of not playing a single game in two years. These are his first two games back. He's looked good. He's been involved as a receiver. He's scored fantasy points. He was outsnapped by Coleman thirty-two to thirteen this past week. He still outscored Tevin Coleman on a fantasy basis. He's mm. been doing this without even getting the snaps. Wait till McKinnon starts to get more yep. snaps. They start to work him in more as he gets into his third fourth fifth sixth game back from missing two years he's got the receiving upside he adds an element that they don't have that Raheem Mostert doesn't bring and then you talk about the schedule you said you're going to get three good weeks out of him he's got the Giants the Eagles in Miami the next three weeks those aren't bad matchups to have as a receiving running back you talk about the last three weeks he's got Washington Dallas and Arizona so he's got value now mm-hmm. he could have great value in the fantasy playoffs and you talk about if Raheem Mostert is if this injury ends up being serious, he re-injures it. Jarek McKinnon is yep. possibly a league, league winner this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and he's available on like you know probably seventy percent of the waiver wire. Um, Jarek McKinnon is my number one. You mentioned Coleman. I don't love him either, but Coleman's actually I think my number three-player ranked in terms of waiver wire just because this offense needs running backs and they'll support it. And when you have the run blocking that San Francisco can have and and produces week-to-week, they'll have value. But I'm with you. I mean, McKinnon is the slam dunk guy. If you miss out on the McKinnon sleep stakes this weekend, um, then Coleman is a guy you can pick up. And you'll probably get a 10 week-to-week just based on what this offensive line can do for him and, and the holes that they'll create. Uh, Jordan Howard, I think, has limited time value because of the wide receiver issues. Once Debo's back... Oh, Jordan Reed?
1: Jordan Reed? Uh, I
0: meant, yeah, Jordan Reed, not Howard. Um, Once Debo's back, you know, things will probably kind of start to settle in. But, you know, Jordan Reed, man. Vintage Jordan Reed game. Again, you you, you He's a
1: stash to me.
0: Yeah, he's he's a guy you can see it coming, man. And Shanahan is creative.
1: Yeah. And if this team needs to go to two tight end sets because the wide receiver room is just either A, unhealthy, B, unproductive, C settling in i i've had faith that he'll do it he'll continue to involve jordan reed and i could see jordan reed playing some snaps from the slot going forward as well this is a guy who we know has the talent jordan reed's talents have never been in doubt now you pair him with a play caller like kyle shanahan i think even when Kittle comes back let's see let's see what jordan reed continues to do get him on rosters if you have space there's no one else to pick up Let's just see if Jordan Reed can keep this up a little bit.
0: Yeah, San Francisco schematically is my favorite offense in the NFL, uh, and that I'm talking schematics here. I'm not saying they're the best offense. I just love the the, the play calling. Um, I love a team that can power run. And also scheme wide receivers open. Like you don't have to have talented wide receivers for them to have like a big wide receiver games. And so you add in a talent like a Yuke or um, or uh, Debo Samuel, and you put those two on the field together. I mean, it, it can be electricity. I mean, look how banged up San Francisco. Not only are they banged up now, they were banged up all of last year and put that season take. I mean, all of last year they were banged up. This is a well coached team. It's a great system. Uh, is Kansas City's offense better? Yeah, um, but they have the talent and they have you know Patrick Mahomes. So as a unit, I'll take. Kansas City schematically San Francisco's just going to put their players in positions to win I like that do you have any thoughts on Slayton before I hit you with the line David I do want to say one thing because we talked about the Houston
1: Texans opening schedule if anybody rivals a tough opening schedule it's probably got to be the Giants they started off with Pittsburgh Mm. last week they played um who was it uh
0: Chicago and no it was oh you're right you're right my bad
1: Pittsburgh, Chicago, and San Fran—those are two, three tough defenses to start the
0: mm-hmm. the year
1: off against. So I think, with Saquon out, what it looks like for the entire year, I think we're gonna have a major buy low opportunity potentially after this week for some of those guys you mentioned, Darius Slayton. I'm hoping he doesn't have a good game this week, so <laughs> he I can right, go, so he can go get out, him. go out and buy him after this week because I think with Barkley it's gonna start to be funneled through Slayton more. Yeah, the I offense agree. is gonna start. I think all three main receiving options, Slayton, Ingram, Shepard, it's all going to start to be funneled through them a little bit more offensively. It's going to become the Daniel Jones show a little bit more than it is the Saquon Barkley show. So man, let's hope they, they have a dud this week and we can go and buy all those Giants receivers. I yeah,
0: I, if you're hurting at quarterback, remember Daniel Jones, he, he is athletic. He can run the ball. And I, I agree with you. I think they're going to have to go spread here. I mean, how do you react? Even if you get Devonta Freeman and, and he comes in and he's he's pretty good, you're still going to hit him in the passing game. I I completely agree. This is how they react. Um, and I think Jason Garrett goes back to the pre-Ezekiel Elliott days when they were kind of funneling through Tony Romo. Now, is Jones as good as Romo? No. Um, you know, but... I, I, that's where I see the chips falling because that's where the talent is with the Giants between, you know, Slayton, uh, Shepard, uh, Tate, and then you got Ingram as well. But let me hit you with the line, David, on this game: San Francisco minus four versus the Giants. Who you got? I'm gonna
1: take, I'm gonna take San Fran. I, I was expecting the Giants to play a little bit better against a good defense. They played all right against Pittsburgh the first week, kind of just took a step back last week against Chicago. So I'll take San Fran and the defense here.
0: Yeah, the, the coaching, you know, I don't care if Garoppolo plays or not. I'm going to take San Fran. No, no disrespect to Giants fans. I just, you know, they're just a really well-coached team. Their defense, uh, let's see. I mean, the the, the key storyline, yeah, most are, yeah, you got the, the injuries and everything. But the defensive line to lose two, I mean, basically top three picks on your defensive line in the first quarter of that game. Now your defensive line rotation thins out. I mean, that's the strength. That really is the engine of that team. So um, it'll be interesting to see, but I think San Francisco covers. Let's move it on. Tennessee Titans versus the Minnesota Vikings. Tennessee Titans uh, 2-0. and We saw Ryan Tannehill play pretty well, um, four touchdowns. Uh, then you got Derrick Henry, who is – I mean, you can't really bottle up Derrick Henry, but you can see what the def- like opposing defenses are doing. They're not respecting Tannehill, and they're trying to stop Henry – and you're basically making Tannehill beat them, and Tannehill's been beating them. So let me hit you with projections, David. I actually do have Tannehill as a start this week. Um, I think it's a good matchup. Minnesota's defense is still in transition. Derrick Henry, automatic start every week. Antonio, or, I'm sorry, A.J. Brown. Uh, we'll see what's, what's happening with the, uh, the injury and all that, but I'm a start on Brown. I'm a start on Corey Davis this week. I'm actually a start on Humphreys this week against Minnesota. I don't like the offense, and yes, I'm a start on Jonu Smith. I love the passing game matchup for Minnesota. Minnesota, look, I, I still think they're going to be a factor later in the season, but they can't, They 0-3 is going to be tough to come back from. So they're going to come out with some fire this week. The offense really isn't hitting on all cylinders yet. It will get there. It's not there at the moment. Um, Kirk Cousins, because of that, I'm a hold. I'm a auto start on Dalvin Cook. The offense will be there for him. Uh, Thielen will get uh, snaps and he'll get targets. So I'm a start on him. I'm a sit on everybody else. Take it away, David.
1: These are are like two polar opposite offenses to me Mm. because the titans they are an offensive juggernaut now and there's no other way to put it going back to last season with ryan tannell under center they've been a top five scoring offense and we think of them ground and pound defensive mentality no change that perception that you have because this is a juggernaut offense across the board you need to be starting your titans Mm. on a weekly basis if aj brown especially if aj brown's a Corey Davis is in gotta be in the lineup. Jonu Smith, gotta be in the lineup. Derrick Henry, absolutely gotta be in the lineup. Even Ryan Tannehill, he's gotta be in your lineup. And Derrick Henry, I think this is a great buy-low opportunity because historically we've seen with Henry start slow in the first half of the season, heats up in the second half. He's starting pretty good comparatively to his other seasons in the first half. He has zero touchdowns through two games. That's not going to continue to happen. He's leading the league in rushing attempts right now. The touchdowns will come in one sneaky, sneaky stat that's kind of flying under the radar because it's not popping off the screen. He's got five targets through two games. Oh, five targets through two games. That's a 40 target pace over 16 games. You know what his career high is hmm. in targets? He's 24 last year. So that's almost double his career targets that he's projecting to see over the season. So the receiving numbers we can see they're they're gonna be higher, most likely projected at this pace than they were in seasons past. The rushing yards are gonna are gonna be there. They're already there now, which they haven't been in past seasons early in the year. And those touchdowns are gonna come come. When it comes to be late season, December, cold, Derrick Henry again, yeah. he's probably gonna be a, a top two or three running back. Go get patient. him now if you can get him
0: too. They're patient with him. If he's not getting high yards per carry, this is the anti Zach Taylor. (laughs) They will stick. They will keep feeding him. They will keep feeding him. They are just fine with 30 carries for 90 yards. They do not care. And they are so efficient. Arthur Smith needs to be a head coach. I can't believe he got passed over. It, dating back again to last season, I mean, this is like the most efficient team in the red zone. They play smart. Their defense is good. We haven't even talked about them. I like them. Minnesota, we talked a little bit about the Stefan Diggs and the impact he's having in Buffalo. I think he's having the inverse in, uh, impact in Minnesota. BC Johnson isn't stepping up. Jefferson isn't quite there yet. Will he get there? Yes, he will. But you see the the degradation in this offense. Kirk they need Cousins that second scored receiver.
1: scored like negative negative fifty points this week. Like Who was that? Sorry, you, Kirk Cousins.
0: He scored. Oh like, man! You
1: look at the Scott Fishbowl scoring. He scored negative twenty, and my other he scored like negative five. So <laughs> you're avoiding every Viking not named Dalvin Cook and Thielen. And Thielen, you paid for him. You have to start him. But even Dalvin Cook, man, he's been underwhelming. You throw in the injury risk, he's a hold. You can't sell him, but you got to be concerned if you got him right now.
0: So let me hit you with the line then, uh, David. Tennessee minus two versus Minnesota.
1: I, I feel the same way I, f- I felt last week. I, there's something going wrong with the Tennessee Titans spread makers because they didn't give them a good spread against the Broncos. I believe it was, what, two points, two and a half yeah. points? Again, the Vikings, what have they des- done to deserve? being within two and a half points of the titans here i mean i'm taking tennessee two yeah. and a half easily a thousand times out of a thousand
0: so this is this is i would say it like a little bit of a trap game in general um in minnesota they need to win this game they're going to come out i think on fire if they were playing a team that wasn't as mature and well coached as tennessee i think they'd come in and steal a game but it, I like what Tennessee's doing right now. Um, and I've liked it ever since they made that move from Mariota to Tannehill. I've been seeing that ever since last year. Like, this offense is good. This offense is good. They are. They're slam-dunk starts. They really are. Uh, Minnesota's defense still needs to be figured out. I'm not panic on it, but I do think Minnesota starts 0-3. I'm going to take Tennessee to cover the spread. Next game on the list, David, we got Washington football team versus the Cleveland Browns. Very intriguing matchup tactically, which we'll get to in just a bit. Let me hit you with lines. Um, Look, I'm a seller in Haskins. Um, I like what I saw from Gibson, though. I don't have a great projection, but I will start Gibson this week. McLaurin, I guess if you have him, you can start him. Again, I'm just not a buyer on this offense other than maybe low thomas who's still out targeting basically everybody else he looks really good didn't find the end zone but he had a lot of opportunity against the cardinals uh the cleveland browns i'm a sit on baker mayfield um i think that the washington defensive line will get to baker mayfield and sack him but you know cleveland it's all it's going to be about the running game this week i do think both running backs are starts i have them actually literally both projected within 0.3 points of each other at like a 14.5 and a 14.2 start your browns running backs I think OBJ is a start because I think he'll get some one-on-one matchups on the outside like we saw on Thursday Night Football this past week. Uh, And then I sit on... Actually, this is interesting. I have Harrison Bryant over Austin Hooper. Um, So this is one of those analytical things if you're looking for Daily Fantasy cheap tight end. I think Austin Hooper could be a sleeper for you. I'm not saying play him in your fantasy leagues, but that's an interesting one because I have him getting in the end zone possibly twice against Washington, which is bizarre. Um, But... Harrison Bryant, an outlier, Um, so look for that matchup if you're a Daily Fantasy player. He's going to probably be like that $2,800 tight end for you. But go ahead and take it away, David.
1: For me, I'm looking in this game, I'm looking for the real Baker Mayfield. Please stand up (laughs) because I think week one we saw bad Baker and week two we saw good Baker. And which guy are we going to get in week three? I don't know. I think that Washington football team, their defense is a little bit underrated. We saw it. They Mm -hmm. feasted a in a good matchup against a beat up offensive line against Philadelphia in week one. Um, they weren't terrible last week. I think probably bad Baker's going to show up this week, just because I think a lot of good Baker last week against the Bengals, he was just had so much space. You look at those rollouts. He was outside the pocket. There was not a defender within 15 yards of him. He had clear passing lanes. He had no pressure. And I think the Washington football team is going to put pressure on Baker Mayfield. And I don't think Baker Mayfield performs well under pressure. I think that's been exemplified by his play over Mm -hmm. the years. He's good when he's not pressured. When he is pressured, he starts to break down a little bit. So talk about the other side. I think Washington's going to be in this game. Antonio Gibson, this could be the coming out party for him. We were hoping for it. Uh, against Arizona just like kind of we were hoping for you mentioned Logan Thomas we were hoping for that coming out party against Arizona who was historically bad against the tight end last year and it was a revenge game narrative for Logan Thomas do not drop Logan Thomas no, all right the no total stat line was underwhelming I believe it was four receptions 26 yards it's not gonna blow your mind he had nine targets the targets are there the chemistry is gonna come with the quarterback. He, this is still his only second game with his quarterback, Haskins. He's right now Washington's number two receiver. That's what he is. He's out targeted Steven Sims in two straight games. He's the number two receiver. Keep Logan Thomas rostered.
0: Yeah, and I I, I think Thomas, he also had a um, a very quality red zone target. It's just it's Haskins. If Haskins was playing more precise football, um, I think you would you know, he would have a lot more value. And that's really it. I mean, Washington's defense is I would say right now they're definitely a playoff defense. It's all about what Haskins can do at quarterback. And I don't think he's there. I mean, I'm on record. Um, I'm not a Washington hater by any means. Um, I know this franchise very well. If people can see behind my shoulder here, maybe I have a Washington football. Turn back around because I don't have the logo off it. I don't have the updated one. But, you know, I, I, like, I like, you know, kind of the team. I like Rivera. I like this defense. What's interesting to me, and you mentioned about, by, about Baker Mayfield, we saw in week one Cleveland playing Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore comes out to a lead. Um, they're they're really good at stopping the run. So Baker Mayfield has to be, put the 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 whole team on his shoulders and win the game. He's not that kind of quarterback. He's just not. But when the team can stick to the run like we saw in week two, suddenly it, the play action's working. You do these bootlegs. He's you know he can hit you. He's accurate passer. He's good enough to definitely like be a factor. So my question about this game is: I know what Cleveland wants to do is Washington's strength as a defense, it's rushing the passer. How do you neutralize that? Is you run them to death and you keep slamming those running backs into the middle of that defensive line, put those fat bodies on you, weigh you down so that in the third and the fourth quarter, you're you're, you're gassed and you can't rush the passer. That's what Cleveland's going to try to do. So this all comes down to what Washington's run offense is going to do and whether or not good or bad Baker Mayfield, the Jekyll and Hyde is going to do. It's going to be the yards per carry. I want to see Nick Chubb get another 25 carries in this game. And if they do that, Cleveland will win. I think Cleveland wins this game. Let me hit you with the line, though, David. Uh, Washington plus seven against the Cleveland Browns. Who do you got? I'm taking
1: Washington just because, like I said, I I think
0: that Cleveland Browns team is a little
1: bit of a fraud. I, I like Stefanski more than Kitchens. I just yeah. don't think... They're going to perform that well, other than cake matchups. So I'll take Washington,
0: keeping it at least somewhat close here. This is going to be a good game. Like, I think it'll be a fun game to watch. And um, I think that I'm going to have Cleveland. I, th- I have Cleveland written down here as 24 to 20. I think Cleveland wins by four. So I'll take Washington in the seven points to cover. Uh, I really, this is a, a, a very interesting thing for me in terms of defense. Like, I want to see because we know what Cleveland's going to do, they're going to come out and pound it. And so when they do that, I want to see what Washington's defensive line looks like in the fourth quarter when you're trying to sack the quarterback. I want to see what the defensive backs do when it's one-on-one coverage against OBJ or or Landry, like on a seam route or something like that. It's going to be very telling. I think for me, especially as against the spread better here, I'm going to get a lot of answers on Washington's defense. I think they're going to hold up to it, but I think they're going to just get worn down by that Cleveland run game, which is still when they commit to it, one of the best running games in the NFL. Let me jump
1: in right there real quick, too, because I just wanted to look at how Washington has done through two games because, like you said, they're known defensive line as being good at rushing the passer. But I'm not so sure they're not also good at stopping the run, and that's just not a good defensive line all across the board. You look at the first two two games, they've allowed 39 rushes for 145 yards, which is uh, a top 10 as – uh, the least amount of rushing yards. They haven't allowed a rushing touchdown through two games. So if they can contain Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt early, I do think that it's going to put Baker Mayfield in some pressure spots.
0: Yeah, for me, and in the counterbalance to that, and it truly my question is, as and against the spread guy, is. Washington, they played Philadelphia without um, Miles Sanders, so they had Boston Scott, and Boston Scott was even banged up in that game as well. Then they get Arizona, who, look, I like Drake, I like Edmonds, we do, but they're a pass-first team. So is that because Washington's defensive line is good against the run, or is that because um, they have it? So this is the test for me, I mean, because you know Cleveland's good with the run. So if Washington mm-hmm. comes out and they stay on that line, like they're, I would say they're probably a top seven defense in the league. So this is a confirmation week for Washington. I like what they're doing. Um, you know, defensively, that hasn't been the question mark. But you know, am I going to start betting on them against the spread this week? I would though. I mean, I, their defense is good enough to keep keep them within seven points of, of Cleveland. So I like it. But I, st- I think Cleveland wins. All right, next game on the list here, we got Carolina, the Carolina Panthers versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, We'll we'll get to that in a second. Let me just hit you with the projections. Uh, McCaffrey's a start. I have Bridgewater as a sit, Um, although I do think that DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are both start. More so DJ Moore. I think he has the better projection this week. Sit on everybody else. For the Chargers, I like the Chargers a lot more with Herbert at quarterback. Um, We don't know if Tyrod Taylor is going to come back and start. As of the time of this recording, I don't know. Herbert showed me enough that he needs to be starting right now. To find out that you're the starter five minutes before the game in your first game action, you play an underrated Chiefs defense. You do what he did. I thought that was fantastic. Consider he probably didn't even have any reps during the during the week to play. I thought he did fantastic. Uh, Eckler, I think, has a big week. Joshua Kelly has a nice week. I am bo- I'm on starts on both of those guys. Um, Keenan Allen again. If Herbert is starting, I'm a start again on the, on Keenan Allen. I'm less so a start um, with Tyrod Taylor in the game, and then Hunter Henry again. It depends on whether or not Herbert's the quarterback. You could start him, uh, but if Tyrod Taylor is a quarterback, I'm honestly a sit on Hunter Henry. But once you take it away, David.
1: Well, let's just talk about the fact that this is even if McCaffrey plays. We we haven't gotten an update on McCaffrey's ankle, and he could miss some time as well. Mm. So. It makes Mike Davis an intriguing pickup. If you have Christian McCaffrey, absolutely you need to be prioritizing Mike Davis because we saw that when Christian McCaffrey got hurt. Mike Davis didn't just come in and soak up carries. He had eight receptions for 74 yards. So Mike Davis is going to catch the ball. That's extremely important. This week, I don't like any Panthers. I mean, how can you? That Chargers defense is good. Teddy Bridgewater has looked bad through two weeks. He didn't perform up to par in an easy matchup against the Raiders week one. He did all right this past week. He was 33 for 42. That's a good completion percentage, 367 passing yards. That's great. Zero touchdowns, two interceptions against Tampa Bay. He's just not where he needs to be for this team right now. And I think you throw in the Chargers. That defense is legit. In week one, they, they had held Joe Burrow to 10 points. And we see Joe Burrow's, it was his first start. But then again, last week, they held the Chiefs to 23 points. It was a 23-20 game. Mm. Patrick Mahomes, 302 yards, two touchdowns, 27 of 47. So
0: Mm. when you
1: compare what Patrick Mahomes did to them...
0: Edwards-Elair, not a great game.
1: Yeah, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater and Mike Davis are on Patrick Mahomes and Edwards-Elair level. I don't know about you guys. But I think it's going to be a struggle for the Carolina offense. And D.J. Moore... Uh, I'm probably starting him still. You have to start him. Robbie Anderson, I want to continue to see it right now. He's clearly ahead of Curtis Samuel. If you have Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson's available, you're probably making that swap. If you're not, I don't know why you wouldn't be. But let's, let's see Robbie Anderson continue to stack some games. Let's see how he does in a really tough matchup here before I'm ready to buy into Robbie Anderson.
0: Yeah, agreed on all fronts. And like Herbert... Um, look, he's going to be mobile. He's a big guy. It, it, really, the Chargers probably should have won that game. If Herbert had reps throughout, the because there was opportunity there, especially in the first half, because Kansas City was, like, trying to figure out what to do because they game planned for Terod Taylor. It was a surprise start, um, you know, last-minute start for, for Herbert. But there was stuff there for them, deep. And Herbert will hit that. I'm not worried about his accuracy one bit. He will be sharp. So if he's the starter there, this offense immediately takes a boost. And they're tough to beat. I'm not a buyer on on Terod Taylor. I've been talking kind of garbage about the Chargers. They're probably not super happy with me, the fan base. But Herbert, you put him in, that's a different team. That is a different team. So, I mean, it all hinges on that for me. Let me hit you with the line here. We got Carolina plus six and a half <laughs> versus the Chargers. Who do you got? I'm going
1: to take the Chargers here just because I talk about the tough defense they have. I don't think Caroline, especially if McCaffrey, doesn't play. And I just want to throw out one more thing about Herbert, too, because we need to take this guy seriously as a fantasy option as a rookie. And I I don't really ever um, suggest investing in rookie quarterbacks in fantasy with one caveat. If they can run the ball, those guys end up being steals in fantasy because the rookie quarterback narrative, gets applied to them and pushed on them, and it deflates their value when they have rushing ability mm-hmm. to basically overcome that. And we see it, talked about it with Joe Burrow, Herbert had four attempts, 18 yards, and a touchdown. And you saw one of those plays, I don't know if you were watching the game, Kansas City linebacker came up and smacked him. The linebacker was the I one did who was that, Yeah. on the ground uh, wailing in pain after the hit. Yeah, so Justin Herbert is big. <laughs> He's got decent athletics look at his combine scores. He's a decent athlete. Yeah. He's going to run the ball. He's going to get outside the pocket. He's going to be willing to put his body on the line at the goal line. I think even in one quarterback leagues, this guy needs to be rostered, especially in two quarterback leagues or super flex leagues. He needs to be one of the top claims, if not the top claim this week.
0: I'll be shocked if he doesn't start, but you just never know. Um, so, again, let me hit you with the line. Carolina plus 6.5 versus the Chargers. Who did you end up taking?
1: I'm taking the Chargers and their defense here.
0: I'm going to take the Chargers if Herbert plays. If he doesn't play, I will take Carolina to cover. That's a kind of a big line for these if two teams. If Herbert
1: doesn't start this next week, Anthony Lynn needs to be fired on the spot.
0: I am I completely agree on with you. On
1: the spot. I don't. I, that's all smoke to me. And he knows that. Anthony Lynn has got to know that he's putting his – his job on the line for Tyrod Taylor if he goes back to him. He ain't gonna do that. Yeah, He's just not gonna
0: do it. I, I agree with everything you just said. Let's move it on. We got the New York Jets versus the Indianapolis Colts. Um, the Jets, do I really even need to bother with the projections? I'm sorry, Jets fans. I like you, but uh, nothing at running back. Um, if if uh, Crowder can come back, I start him. I'm staying way far away from Chris Herndon. No way. For Indianapolis, um, the Jets defense is better than advertised, so I don't think it's a slam dunk for the Colts. But, you know, Phillip Rivers, look, man, he throws interceptions. I'm kind of off of him. You can get, shoot, you can get Ryan Tannehill off of waivers right now, and he's a plug-and-play every week. Um... Uh, Jonathan Taylor weekly start Naheem Hines that was kind of a gut punch this week not really involved um, but you know I still think he has value there Paris Campbell curious to see he left the game on the, with a knee injury I don't know what that is I haven't gone back and looked at the news you might have David uh, if he plays I like Paris Campbell more if he doesn't he's going to
1: be out for the year I believe it's an ACL damn, for him damn, as well damn. I know it's tough because he looks so good. He looks so
0: he good, looks good. But, you know, Pascal, I think actually more than Pittman Jr., Pascal's my guy there. Um, the coaching staff likes him, and he gets the opportunity. He found the end zone this week, so I like him. Uh, Doyle, you know, the injury stuff. Mo Ali Cox actually looked pretty good, dynamic, athletic at tight end. If you're looking for a tight end, especially in deeper leagues, I think you should pick him up. Uh, I do think the tight end here has value. Doyle, we saw this a couple years ago, man. Doyle looked like he was going to be the starter. He gets hurt. Ebron comes in, catches like 12 touchdown passes or something like that. Uh, Ali Cox could be that guy uh, this year for Indianapolis. But it's all about the running game. That's where I'm at. Why don't you take it away, David?
1: Yeah, we're we're just going to skip over the Jets. At this point, I'm I'm content dropping every Jet off my roster. And that hurts me to say because I was a big Chris Hernan believer. I just can't can't have any faith putting any jet into a starting lineup i don't care if crowder and mims are out Hearn is the only option we saw he's they're using him as a blocker on like 36 percent of passing snaps he's only playing 70 percent of the total snaps you can forget about him he'll have some good games but after he does you won't feel comfortable putting him in the starting lineup exactly. ever same with Le'Veon bell I, I hate to say it i'm ready to trade him for a kicker upgrade or just drop him because when he comes back, how do you know you're gonna be comfortable ever starting him? Like at yeah. a certain point, you have to value the roster spot in being able to go after other guys. If you have IR slots, sure, Stash will be on Bell. But when he comes back, if he doesn't do anything, like just be ready to move on. Be ready to trade him and take cut cut your losses. All right. Sometimes you gotta sell low yeah. just to get a guy off, off your team. For the Colts. I think you, the one thing you mentioned that stands out, Naheem Hines, totally disappeared. Wow. That was definitely game script related. They were owning the Vikings from start to finish in that game. There was no need to get Naheem Hines in in a passing role. I think it's at least this shows us Hines is going to be predictable. When they have a matchup where they're going to be losing, we're probably going to see Naheem Hines back there getting third down snaps, getting five to six receptions. In cake matchups, it's going to be the Jonathan Taylor show, and Naheem Hines probably ain't going to exist. Um, Mo Ali cox the other guy you talk about, I do like the matchup a lot this week because if Jack Doyle doesn't play, through two weeks the Jets have allowed 10 receptions, 81 yards, and two touchdowns at tight ends. So they've allowed the tight end to get in the end zone. You saw Ali cox at a 100-yard game last week. He's definitely, I think, needs to be rostered at this point. He's worth a flyer. We'll see if he can sustain it. He's been in the league a few years, hasn't really sustained anything. But he's worth a flyer.
0: Yep. Let me hit you with the line here, David. We got New York Jets plus nine and a half against the Indianapolis Colts. Who do you take?
1: Nine and a half. Nine and Ouch. a half. Big line. I, uh, I'm going to uh, – I can't do it. I almost said it. I almost said <laughs> I'm going to take it. I can't do it. Ten and a, Ten points. I want to do it. I can't do it. I I guess give me the Colts, but I wouldn't touch this unless I had to pick it. And where you're picking every game?
0: Uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's a two-score game, the Colts, but that's too too many points to lay, um, especially in a team that Philip Rivers. We know he throws an interception. If the, one of those is a pick six, it could screw your line. I'm gonna stay away with it, away from it. I think Colts go two and one. I think they win this game. I think it's comfortable. That's a too big of a line for me. Next game, a top five, possibly a top three matchup of the week. We have the Dallas Cowboys versus the Seattle Seahawks. High quality football coming from both of these guys if you take away all the turnovers in the first quarter for the Dallas Cowboys yesterday that was pathetic but other than that um, you know both of these offenses look good they look in midseason form I like both of these teams let me hit you with the projections because I think this is going to produce a lot of fantasy football points Dak Prescott I think is my number one rated quarterback this week um, in terms of fantasy projection Uh, with respect to Russell Wilson who's also very high Zeke Elliott play every week I think Cooper actually has um, a very nice game Gallup is a start I like what CeeDee Lamb is doing he's a Start, uh, and then uh, we mentioned Dalton Schultz. I think he's actually um, pretty pretty solid as well. Although I think you can do better in the matchup this week. Seattle's doing a much better job covering the tight end this season. For Seattle, Russell Wilson obviously a start. Uh, he might be my number two or number three. I think he's number three for me this week in terms of projections, but definitely a start. Uh, how could you not, man? Nine touchdown. But was he on projection uh, projected nine? Was that nine times eight? He's on target for seventy-two touchdown passes this season. He's in the MVP
1: discussion right now.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, so Seattle Seahawks, very good, viable um, at this point. I think they're my NFC favorites or at least co-favorites. Love what Seattle's doing. Uh, Chris Carson's a start. I'm a sit on Hyde. I actually don't like the matchup for Lockett this week. I think Metcalf goes off this week. Love it for Metcalf. Um, and then Olsen could sneak into the end zone, but that could also be Disley, so I'm kind of selling on tight end there with the distribution. Um, so why don't you take it away, David?
1: I'll just say you're starting everybody across the board right here. This could just be a repeat of this um,
0: Falcons-Cowboys
1: game we just saw last week where both teams are scoring about 40 points, and basically everybody's a good start. We saw Calvin Ridley was a good start. Hayden Hurst was a good start this past week. Russell Gage was a good start. Julio Jones wasn't. He was the only one. You talk about the Cowboys on the other side. Zeke was a good start. Amari, Seedy, even Gallup had a big play to kind of salvage his day wasn't terrible Dalton Schultz had the huge game the one guy who really stands out to me it's got to be C.D. Lamb because you talk about the Seahawks and what have they allowed a lot of the past two weeks it's that slot receiver production you talk about week one Seattle played Atlanta Russell Gage playing from the slot nine receptions 112 yards and a touchdown you talk about this past week Julian Edelman I believe nine receptions again. He had his career high in receiving Mm -hmm. yards against this Seattle Seahawks defense. So they're just allowing the slot receiver to feast right now. C.D. Lamb, we saw it this past week. He's starting to emerge. Right now he might already be ahead of Michael Gallup in the pecking order. He's Mm -hmm. outscored him throughout the first two weeks. He's getting the easier cornerback matchups playing in the slot. He's getting the higher catch rate targets playing in the slot so I think CeeDee Lamb he's a good bet for 100 yards and maybe a touchdown this week as well
0: yeah I think you know last night in particular um you know digs going out of the game that hurt but you know you look at Seattle and you're talking about like slot you know they play Atlanta and Russell Gage the first week um and then you play New England and, and you know how uh Edelman kind of works the middle of that field there but the bottom line is Dallas has talented receivers. So for that matchup, I agree with you. I think it'll be a good one. Look, I love Seattle. I think, again, if at, at the worst for me right now, they're NFC co-favorites. Um, but they were my preseason pick to represent the NFC in the championship game. I love what they did against the New England Patriots. Look, New England Patriots are good, man. Like, but Seattle's just that good. People always sleep on them against the spread. They always sleep on them in futures. I like what Seattle's putting together. Let me hit you with the line. Dallas plus three against the Seahawks. Who do you have?
1: That's tight. That's tight. That I'm going to go. You know, I have another question, too. I would like to know. And I seriously doubt you have the answer to this. If it's in Seattle, are they pumping the crowd noise into like their average decibel level? No, I, I, I don't Seattle's think they're doing it.
0: They're doing it on TV, but they're not doing it on the field. Are you sure? I, I think so.
1: I, 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 th- I think it's the opposite. I think that or not the op- I think they are pumping it into the field. I think it's both TV and the field I think they can hear it there. Mm, it's over I, the loudspeakers. I could be wrong we'll have to do that. I could be wrong Google too. I don't think it. so, but I
0: don't know because I know there are league rules about what you can pump in. Um, so if they're doing it, it's really for players' benefit, but it shouldn't be um, anything that would hurt the opposing team's offense like they I don't think they're manufacturing home crowd noise or anything like that but again I, I truly don't know the answer to it.
1: I'll take, I'll take Seattle, but I, I do like it to be a close game because that Dallas Cowboys yeah. offense is, you know.
0: I agree with you. I think it'll be a close game. Um, you know, both of these teams, I love the style. Actually, Dallas has come out a lot sharper than I thought they would. Um, they are, I think, my favorites to win the NFC at this point, so I'm changing my preseason prediction just based on early returns. They just look more mature than Philadelphia does. Um, but it, it's Seattle, man. Like I, if, When I wrote down the score, I would have put this line at a three, at a Seattle minus three. But Russell Wilson, I like him more than Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott usually shrinks in these tough games. So I'm going to take Seattle to cover the spread. I think it's a close one. I don't feel great about it. This is one of these games I'm just going to tune in and love watching. Um, So we'll both take the Seahawks there, I believe. Uh, We got, uh, let's see, four games left. Um, Detroit, I'm sorry, let me hit you with the line in a little bit. Uh, Detroit Lions versus the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I actually have a start, a pretty strong start grade. No, I'm sorry. I apologize. I was reading the wrong, uh, wrong line. Uh, Matt Stafford, I don't have as a start. Deion, uh, the Detroit Lions running back situation it's way too murky for me I'm going to stay away from it I do have two running backs it's kind of startable but I don't know if that's Carrion Johnson, Adrian Peterson, Swift I don't know, I'm staying away from it if Galladay comes back I think he's stardom um, regardless uh, if he's not back I think Marvin Jones is a start um, but I wouldn't start two wide receivers this week for Detroit Hawkinson though I like the matchup for him I think he's a start for Arizona Kyler Murray weekly start Uh, Drake weekly start, DeAndre Hopkins weekly start. I actually like this week based on matchup Fitzgerald over Christian Kirk. And then I stay away from everybody else. Take it away, David.
1: I think this week, and I'm really hoping that this week is going to be both the Antonio Gibson and the DeAndre Swift coming out party. It's two great matchups for running backs, right? Mm. Again, this is a two game sample size. There's a lot of factors here, which could be affecting this through two games, Detroit has allowed the third most fantasy points to running backs. Arizona has allowed the fourth most points to fantasy running backs. So you talk about the Cardinals, They've one thing that stands out, they've allowed 10 receptions and 159 receiving yards and two receiving yards to opposing running backs mm-hmm. through two games. That is very good news for DeAndre Swift, who quietly has led this team in snaps the past two weeks. Yes, It gets a little bit distorted when you look at the carries. You look at Peterson had seven. Carry-on had eight. Swift only had five. It's kind of skewing the reality of the situation because when you go look at the receptions, DeAndre Swift was the Lions' leading receiver this past week. He had five receptions. Next leading receiver was Hawkinson with four. He had... 60 yards, Hawkinson had 62. But on a reception basis, he was number one, had the highest reception, five for 60. If he didn't touch the ball in the ground game, he scored you 11 PPR points just catching the ball. Talk about the Arizona Cardinals offense right now. They're on fire. Kyler Murray's on fire. DeAndre Hopkins is on fire fire they're gonna score points mm. I, li- I like matthew starr as a start this week he's giving kenny galladay back tj hawkinson's taking that next step deandre swift is ready and able out of the backfield i think it's going to be a good game for him on the other side antonio gibson he completely took control of that backfield in week two peyton barber was nowhere to You're be right found. Yep. And J.D. JD McKissick still got worked in a little bit. That's to be expected. They're not going to give Gibson 100% of the snaps. He took over in week two. He's facing the Lions, who have allowed 353 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, another eight receptions, 88 yards, and a receiving touchdown to running backs through two weeks. Gibson, Swift, ball starts for me this week. <sighs>
0: Yeah, Swift is interesting, and this is one of these things that I mean you can you can see it like when we watch the games. I mean, Swift is the guy. It was weird to me that Carrion Johnson ended up being the thing. It's 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 this hot hand stuff. It drives me freaking crazy. The logic of it doesn't make sense. You have somebody who's number one on your depth chart for a reason. You have different factors. You know, your offensive line opens up a hole you can drive a semi truck through for your third-string running back, and suddenly you're going to reward him with carries because nobody touches him and he runs clean 80 yards. I mean, that's. I mean, give me a break, guys. But anyway, Swift is the one guy I think you can count on in Detroit. Um, Arizona is interesting. I mean, it, the, talk about the NFL draft. Like, sometimes it just works out for you. Like, Miami, they needed a quarterback. They didn't panic. They didn't trade up and lose draft capital. They get Tua. Arizona and getting Simmons. Best defensive player in the draft. Their big weakness last year, covering the tight end. The one guy that can help that weakness more than anything. They end up getting in their draft selection there. I love who they got. I love that their defense is getting better and better. Of course, their offense is good. I believe these two teams scored off in week one last year, Kyler Murray's first game. Kyler Murray was a little rough, then went off on this team in the second half, ended up forcing a tie. I like Arizona. Talking about running back, Washington, what can they do as an offense right now? They can dump the ball off. And then you play... Um, You know, San Francisco in week one who likes to run the ball. So, again, this is going to be kind of a confirmation week. I do think Swift is the guy. I think Arizona controls the game. Um, I think it's Arizona by seven. But let me hit you with the line here. It's Detroit plus six and a half against Arizona. Who do you got, David?
1: Give me Detroit here just because I feel like these are two good offenses who, as much as the Cardinals have made improvements defensively, I don't think they're there yet. So I expect this to be a one-score game. Whoever's got the ball last probably wins. I expect it hopefully be like a four- or five-point game.
0: Yeah, I mean, you give Stafford six-and-a-half points. It's like last week when the line opened up uh, Dallas and Atlanta. Um, it opened up Atlanta minus seven. I'm like, you're giving Matt Ryan and that offense seven points. Mm. So I get it. This, to me, is a game, Arizona, like, okay, San Francisco, you beat, you earned that victory. Your offense did great against a good defense and and everything. But their receivers were hurt. So they weren't 100% but respect to Arizona. Um, Last game, uh, Washington's defense is very good. Arizona put up points, respect. This is a game that I think Arizona, if they're a viable, deep-run playoff team, this is the game that they win by 10 points because it's a trap game. How mature are you as a team? I'm betting on Arizona. I'm going to take Arizona to cover this spread, although I think it's a close one. Uh, let me hit you. We got three games left, David. We got Tampa Bay, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Denver Broncos. Uh, Tom Brady didn't look great. I have him as a sit. Fournette took this running game over. Fournette is the starter there now. Maybe it'll we'll see some aftershocks and repercussions. But I'm a buyer on Fournette. He runs with more power. He can be a three down back. We've seen it before. Ronald Jones took the worst handoff in the history of handoff takes. Didn't open his ball up even wide enough to get um, a handoff from Tom Brady. Found the doghouse. Fournette took advantage of that that uh, opportunity, which you and me, David, we thought that was only a, a matter of time anyway. And, and Fournette ran away with it. Um, the passing game. We'll see about Godwin Evans. I think is a start. Denver. I'm kind of a sit on everybody who's not named um, Sutton. We'll see if Sutton, you know, is still fine enough to play. Don't know about Drew Locke with that shoulder. It's his throwing shoulder. Um, And then Gordon I actually have as a start as well. Take it away, David.
1: Yeah, I think you're basically avoiding most of your Broncos here just because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense has played well to start the year. But I don't think they're going to be as bad as some people think. Jeff Driscoll is not terrible, all right? Let's just say that he's performed all right in situations where he's came in before. Uh, I believe it was for the Bengals. I believe for Maybe the, the Lions, Lions, Lions like last year as well. He's had some good games, and he can scramble as well. So he's a decent uh, dart throw if you're in a two-quarterback league. He could find his way scrambling into the end zone, getting a rushing touchdown. Noah Fant, I think, is probably the only... Denver Bronco who you're comfortable starting on a weekly basis right now. Let's see with Sutton. I know he had another injury. I don't know where that's at. I apologize. Judy's I do have a, a
0: rookie. Sorry, just to cut in. I do have a start grade on Fant. I didn't mention that before. I apologize.
1: I like Fant. I think Tampa Bay on the other side of the ball, it's it's tough to tell right now. Like You know Evans and Godwin, if he plays, you're starting him. Fournette, I don't know if I'm ready to put him into the starting lineup yet. It was nice. They, they were winning against Carolina. Carolina was the number one running back matchup, so let's just get that clear. Leonard Fournette was in a prime position to have a good game this week. Let's see him do it in a, in a tougher matchup that isn't against Carolina.
0: I think that's a fair point, and I always like two weeks of confirmation, especially when when you get the aftershocks of these running back battles kind of sift out. I think Ronald Jones will get some opportunity. I do think it's Fournette, but we might see more of a split. And as we go forward in the season, I think you know uh, Fournette will rustle more and more snaps away. Uh, let me hit you with the line here: uh, Tampa Bay minus six against Denver. Who do you got? I'm going to
1: take Tampa Bay just because we got the backup quarterback. I don't it's terrible, but it's hard betting on a backup quarterback to cover a, a six, six and a half point spread against arguably. The greatest quarterback of all time.
0: Yeah, you know Drew Lock. Uh, look at, at this point where they are in their career. I actually think Driscoll doesn't hurt you too much at quarterback and give you less value, just because Drew Lock's young. I mean, obviously you want to bank your franchise on Lock. You don't want Driscoll to be a franchise guy. Against the spread, though, I mean, I don't think you're losing that much this week. I think this is a closer game. I like Denver's defense. Six is a big line to me. Um, are we going to see Tampa come out with that refined offense? It's going to come soon. We just don't know when it's going to be. I'll take uh, Tampa to win the game, but Denver to cover the spread this week. All right, David, let's swing it now. We got the Green Bay Packers versus New Orleans Saints. This is... I didn't love the matchups in week um, two, like TV matchups, and like as an NFL fan, there were a couple out there that I was excited to see. But like, I liked like seven of the games this week. I love it. But uh, we got Green Bay Packers, like I said, against New Orleans Saints. Um, as of the time of this recording, full disclosure to everybody, we, re- we record this segment um, on Monday mornings. Uh, so, you know, if there are any major injuries or storylines for the Saints, we don't have them yet because the, the game against the Raiders has not happened yet. But Green Bay's looking great. Let me hit you with projections. Uh, Aaron Rodgers I have as a start. Aaron Jones, come on. How could you not start him for Grant Out Loud? Uh, Devonte Adams, look, he came up a little bit lame with the hamstring. It's a strain. How's that going to impact? We don't have that answer yet, so keep that with a grain of salt. But I do have him as a definite start. If he goes out you got to look at Lazard and Valdez-Scantling. I mean, this offense, based on what they can do with the run game, they will produce opportunities in the passing game. Whether or not the receivers catch them, we will see. Uh, I'm a sit on tight end for Green Bay, nobody else. Uh, for New Orleans, the um, Drew Brees, I actually don't like this matchup for him, so I have him as a sit. I have Kamara as a start. Michael Thomas, we'll see with the ankle, um, but he will be a start for me. I don't have a start grade on any other receiver, but I am a start on Jared Cook in this matchup. Take it away, David.
1: I don't want to overcomplicate it here. I think it's really as simple as just start your Packers and start your Saints. Right? Yeah. they've been they've been good. We'll see if Michael Thomas is back next week. If he's not it, it raises a little bit of quite or if he is, I should say it raises the question mark about whether Cook and Sanders are still great plays. But I think you're starting Cook regardless at this point whether Michael yeah. Thomas plays or not. Sanders it's a little bit more of a question mark. We'll see what he does tonight. But really across the board, just start your guys. These are two good offenses. It should be a high-scoring game. And let us just let me just throw in, why were we ever fading Aaron Jones last year? Like, I get it. A.J. <laughs> Dillon. Like, this team didn't have a real number two receiver. Aaron Jones scored 19 times. He's been great. We need to stop overthinking it, guys. So like, Aaron Jones should have been a smash pick at the top of the second round. I'm glad I have one share of him. Out of like nine leagues, because if I had zero, I would be absolutely kicking myself
0: right now, dude. So, um, my my primary league, not to do like a draft, you know, respect retrospective or anything, but in my 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 primary league, I ended up with the eighth pick. I actually traded down. I had the four. I traded down because I liked the swing value, um, and I got Zeke at the eight. And then I got Aaron Jones at the 13. <laughs> so I'm sitting pretty. My quarterback sucks. Who were but... the
1: seven guys going before Zeke? Was this Dynasty? This is
0: Dynasty. So you had Edwards O'Leary um, Patrick Mahomes went super high in that draft. Um, Mara, you got obviously Christian McCaffrey, Saquon. Ugh. Saquon went. Um, there was a weird – a Chubb went, who I actually like Chubb, but not above Zeke. Uh, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, I think maybe – Oh, no, not Derrick Henry. He, actually, Derrick Henry almost slipped to me in the second round, but I'm glad I got Aaron Jones. But – yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the offense. This offense wants to run um, Aaron Jones. I know he's going to be a free agent, I believe, after the season. So maybe A.J. Dillon next year is somebody you want to buy on in Dynasty. But this year, he's here to stay. He got three yesterday. He could have had three in week one, everybody. I mean, he had the opportunity. I think he was thrown two on the goal line, didn't quite get there. Maybe he was stopped like inside the one. Like last year wasn't a fluke. He's got, I think four touchdowns at this point combined. If I'm not mistaken,, uh, that's the trend that will continue. They like it. and Aaron Rodgers, um especially if Devonte Adams is hampered by that hamstring or something like that, It just makes the running backs even more valuable in this offense. I agree with you. and Saints, I mean, they're along with Seattle, my two favorite teams, in the NFC. Uh, we'll see again tonight what happens and, you know, all that stuff, but, um i like the saints i like the packers packers defense is underrated you know we're, we're seeing what the packers offense is doing the packers defense is like holding up their end of the bargain with this team i like them man this is a fun matchup. we get it on sunday night football it's going to be on a, a great with you or um, a great game let me hit you with the line here green bay plus four and a half versus new orleans
1: i'll take new orleans just because i think it's going to be a tight game
0: now again we haven't watched the monday night football game with new orleans yet I think it's going to be tight. I'm going to take Green Bay in the points. Um, I have Green Bay winning this game. I don't really know, though. I mean, it's to me, it's like last possession wins kind of deal. What I do know about New Orleans, what I like... Oh, wait, you're
1: saying New Orleans is favored?
0: Yeah, New Orleans is minus 3.5 for New Orleans. Green Bay oh, plus 3.5. Okay, four and a half. I, I heard that backwards. Well, okay. I'll
1: take Green Bay at that point. Then. So you're
0: taking points in this match. I think that's the play here. Okay. What I do like is that if it comes down to a passing game, I like New Orleans's offense now in the passing game more than I like a possibly, a, a, I mean, both of these wide receivers are banged up. You got Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams. You got both of them that are kind of banged up. And and if they play, they're going to be not quite at a hundred percent. I don't know. It, it really is last possession kind of thing. It's going to be close. So I am taking the points. It's over a field goal. You know, you feel like this is going to be a field goal game either way. So I'll take that. All right. We got Monday night football. Matchup of the week, maybe even matchup of the young season with respect to the the game on Sunday night recently. We got the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Baltimore Ravens. Let me just hit you with projections. Um I like both defenses here by by the way but I don't think you can go against these offenses because I love both offenses. Uh Mahomes I don't have a start grade on him with respect to the Baltimore Ravens defense but you're starting Mahomes I'm starting him. I'm not sitting him anywhere. The only thing is I'm just not going to buy him in daily fantasy because the budget's going to be too high. Um I do not have a start on Edwards-Hilaire. I don't like this matchup for him. Um He's going to get receptions and everything, but he's not going to be able to push the pile against this Ravens defensive line. That's going to be an issue. We saw Darwin Thompson taking snaps away. By the way, in crunch time, it was fourth and one in Kansas City. Had to get that first down. Wasn't Edwards Hilaire getting that snap. It was Darwin Thompson. That's something we've been talking about on this podcast. It's happening, everybody. Um, Tyreek Hill... I think he's a start. I think the Ravens do a great job on him. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a start. Uh, Watkins, you know, these other receivers, another second, secondary receiver would be good. Is it going to be Hardman, Robinson, Watkins. I don't know. Flip your coin, roll your dice. Travis Kelsey's a start. Lamar Jackson, I do have a start projection on, and obviously you're going to start him anyway. Uh, Ingram is a start to me. I actually have Dobbins over Edwards as a start. You know, again, flip your coin there. You might like Edwards over Dobbins. Uh, Marquise Brown's a start, and Mark Andrews is a start, and I'm staying away from the other receivers with the Ravens. Now, I know you love yourself some uh, some Baltimore Ravens. Why don't you take it away, David?
1: Well, I just want to talk about last year, because this mm. was one of the
0: great Best games, games yeah.
1: last year, and just kind of look over how the teams performed last year. I don't believe we had Tyreek Hill in the game last year. It was a 33 33- to twenty-eight win for Kansas City. I believe,
0: by the way, I, I think Tariq Hill did play that game because I remember a weird like Mahomes threw it into double coverage. Fourth you
1: know. down. That's what I thought, but I'm looking at the game oh, recap really? here. Maybe, maybe I have the uh, wrong one. Maybe this is I don't know. But the one the one I'm looking at was with Mark Ingram when he had the three touchdown game, and it was early in the season, and mm. I remember it distinctly because I had Mark Ingram bench like an idiot. <laughs> so I I think this is going to be another good game. Um, for Ravens running backs I think they're going to look to them on the goal line last year Marquise Brown only had two receptions for 49 yards I like him a lot more this year he was obviously a rookie dealing with his injuries Mark Andrews only had three receptions for 15 yards zero touchdowns last year so I am tempering my expectations uh, for Andrews just a little bit again it's new year Ravens are taking the next step but I do think it's going to be running back-centric for the Ravens. I think they're going to try and control the ball. I think they're going to try and run the clock a little bit, not let Mahomes kind of maintain possession. Yeah. So I think it's a Ingram. I don't love him this year. I, he was on my all-fade list. I do think he's got a good chance at a touchdown this week. I think Gus Edwards, this is not going to be the week for him. This is going to be the week where J.K. Dobbins is that second back. He's going to get some work in the receiving game. So I'm starting Dobbins as well. I think I would be willing to start Ingram, Dobbins, Brown, or Andrews and if I own them in any of these matchups. Same with the Chiefs. You're starting your Chiefs. I will disagree with Edwards-Elair uh, just because I think the Ravens' defense right now is really, really, really strong on the outside at those two cornerback spots. I think Sammy Watkins getting shut down against Marcus Peters. I think Marlon Humphrey is going to contain Tyreek Hill. We'll see about how they're able to do against Kelsey. I think Kelsey's the one who could be in for a big game this week. I also think Edward Zelaire. I like the Ravens linebackers. Again, they're rookies though. Talk about Patrick Queen. Talk about the other guy, uh, Malik Harrison. Rookies with speed, but I think they're going to maybe struggle in the pass coverage a little bit, maintaining Edward Zelaire. I think Hilaire's got a good chance at maybe like eight receptions in this game.
0: I think they're going to have to use him in, the, in their uh, receiving game um, because both of these look both of these offenses are actually gonna, going to want to play ball control um, because the last thing Kansas City wants is for Baltimore's run game and their offensive line to be leaning on them all game because that's going to neutralize them. And then similarly, Kansas City, you have to do something to slow down this, this defense. Baltimore's defense is always good. The interesting thing about this is these were the top two teams in the uh, AFC last year. Both these teams today are better than when they played last season. Um, they hadn't had Peter, um, Baltimore did not have Peters yet at that point. Mahomes might have already been dealing with his injury. I know Terry Kill, even if he was even if he was back or whatever it was, he was a little bit um, limited. The Kansas City running game wasn't there. They didn't have somebody of Edwards, Lear's um, you know, caliber. Both of these teams are better. What is interesting to me from a, a spread point of view is that Kansas City at some point had a cornerback or defensive back banged up, and they were down to three active cornerbacks in their roster. That's gonna be a problem. Um, look, to me, it, this is this is the classic last possession wins kind of matchup here. I think Baltimore definitely had the better week two. They've looked more crisp as a team. Kansas City, um in week one, I thought they played a nice game to open the season. I thought last week, like, I don't know. They looked hungover or something. Like, they just never got. And you got to credit the Chargers defense. I mean, the Chargers defense is very, very underrated. Uh, Kansas City's going to play better. They're going to rise to the challenge. We're going to get playoff caliber, um, deep playoff caliber type football. This is going to be a fantastic game. So let me hit you with the line. It's Kansas City plus three at Baltimore. Who do you got, David?
1: You know, I'm taking my team. Baltimore, I'm taking them every single week. That's my team. And I just will say, I, I did confirm here, that Tyreek Hill game that we're remembering, that was two years ago. That no was kidding. Lamar Jackson's rookie season when they were about to eke out that win. Uh, and then Tyreek Hill, I think it was fourth and 26 or something yeah. like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, he wasn't active for the game last year.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, anyway, but, but the game, when I wrote but down... But in that
1: week, two, two years ago, I should say, eight for 39 and a touchdown for Tyreek Hill in that game.
0: Yeah, he's a nut. That guy's so good. Baltimore, I, I figured you'd be t- taking Baltimore. You're not going to pick against them. When I wrote down the score, here's the deal. When I wrote down the score this morning, because I always like to write down the scores first and then look at the lines and see kind of how I compare. I had Baltimore winning this game 34-30. to But <laughs> it's a last possession game. You're talking about Patrick Mahomes getting three points. I know it's Baltimore but Patrick Mahomes plus points how can you ever bet against that i just i'm sorry i'm going to i'm going to take kansas city even though i myself picked the ravens to win by four i'm just going to take the value anytime patrick mahomes gets points i think you got to go with it but baltimore I'll, I'll be honest with everybody baltimore fans i mean I, i've seen it on tape i see what you're watching baltimore has played a crisper brand of football so far and, I'll, and it just did not look like Kansas City cared much about the game yesterday. Kansas City, they're Super Bowl champs, man. They want to win in January and February. Um, they're a Super Bowl pedigree. I feel like both teams are going to show I'm just, I don't care. I'm not going to bet on it. I'm just looking forward to watching this game. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great football to watch. Look at these matchups from week one, man. We got uh, week three, I mean, Green Bay, New Orleans. We got Kansas City, Baltimore. Uh, Dallas-Seattle, that's going to be some like a fireworks game. We're going to see a lot of points there. Rams-Buffalo, that's two playoff-caliber teams uh, playing there. Just a lot of really good stuff on TV this week. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Uh, anything for the crowd before we uh, sign off, David? I
1: don't know. I think we gave them plenty, don't you think? <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, uh... If
1: that ain't enough... Don't don't come back because that's the best we got. <laughs>
0: there you go. It's a long, long podcast. So, hey, everybody, you know, thanks for thanks for picking up. Dave and I will be back next week. We can't get to the bye week soon enough, man. We're talking about each game for ten minutes here, but it's a lot of good football, a lot of storylines. So, appreciate it. Like, comment, subscribe. We'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone.